0: Ladies and gentlemen, we are here in Nashville, Tennessee. We are at the Daily Wire's headquarters, and uh, we got a special show tonight. There's a lot to talk about. Of course, D.C. is experiencing busloads of illegal immigrants being sent by the governor of Texas. We've got some interesting conversations around uh, around these schools, and the, uh, the education issue, once again, has become something, uh, um, well, it, it's persistent in the news, and we're going to talk about that. We've got a couple really great guests in about 15 minutes, The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, Andrew Claven, Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh, Jeremy Boring, I hope I named everybody, How's everybody? are going to be taking over our feed, actually taking over, and Tim Kassi will flip mm-hmm. into The Daily Wire, and I'm going to run out of the trailer in tornado weather, yes. no joke, and try and make it into their studio, and we're all going to hang out and have a conversation that'll last for just about 15 minutes. Then we're going to come back and hang out with our awesome guests and keep our show going. So I saw those people chatting, saying there's no way Venture crew and the Daily Wire crew are taking over. <laughs> yes, they literally are. They've got special camera rigs set up to just take over. It's going to be a blast. Oh, yeah. I hope it works. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's been really fun hanging out with the guys here in, in Nashville. The crew, they're awesome. I just – uh. uh Got to play some video games with them and absolutely destroyed the entire uh, crew of the Daily Wire because mm-hmm. they want to play video games. So uh, let's just get to it. Joining us today, we got we got a couple of really awesome guests. We got Jason Whitlock
1: from the Blaze uh, mm-hmm. TV, Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Good to be back. Has it, it's probably been a year. Yeah, since I think so. I was on the show. Uh, you know, I'm still fat, but a little <laughs> less, a little less so. Although no one said anything to I was hoping that Tim or Linnea or somebody would say, "Hey, man, I think you lost ten pounds." Well, I was thinking, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was I thinking it. Yeah, yeah, I still want to be rude. I lost some weight too. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. I cut, see that. cut, out, cut out the sugars in uh, like around October, November.
1: Mm-hmm. It's worked. It's worked out pretty well. You're still wearing the hat though, so mm-hmm. the, that kind of threw me off. <laughs> Good. I, I couldn't see the hat.
2: It's the constant. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We got Colin Wright, evolutionary biologist, run the website Reality's Last Stand to talk a lot about sex and gender, debunking a lot of the pseudoscience about biological sex and the notion that it's a social construct or a spectrum. It's good to be here. Thank right you. On. Thanks for coming. And we got Ian.
3: What's up, everybody? I was actually sitting in the Daily Wire production headquarters, eyeballing the way they run. And man, that is a cool operation. Mm-hmm. Great group of people in there, and they are a well-oiled machine. Isn't it
0: so different from us? It's am- yeah, it's, we've got it's like huge. we've got like duct tape and beanies, <laughs> and they've got this massive production rig. There's like fifty people running around. And I'm, I'm like, I don't know what any of the people. Truly do. epic. Like Lydia presses buttons. That's right. <laughs> Speaking no, of Lydia, yeah,
4: I'm here in the corner pushing buttons. This time I got Ian's camera right, which has been a struggle for me, you guys may have noticed. I've tried. I kept I don't know what I have against Ian's camera, but it's not because I hate Ian. I'm just struggling over here in the corner holding <laughs> the camera wrong ones. I know I
1: can't get it. Can I say this? I think I like this R V better than going to your compound. Oh yeah? which i had trouble finding mm. and i remember i think i had to order mcdonald's cuz yeah. you guys fed me hot pockets <laughs> who gave you hot pockets <laughs> i don't know oh, no man.
4: what i don't remember whatever <laughs> i refute i reject these allegations it's very
3: homey we'll here
0: i know i do love it I, you know the idea is maybe once a month bring the trailer out to a uh, a different location and we're actually we we want to do friday night live events so we would do irl at a venue on stage we gotta hire the people to get to that point who can come out on a Wednesday, set the whole thing up early on the Friday, and then we would do the show in the trailer. But then Friday night, sell tickets. People can come out, hang out in the audience, and actually watch the show. I think that'd be really cool.
1: Be awesome. That sounds awesome.
0: All right. Well, let's let's try and squeeze in some talk before the Daily it. Wire ends up taking this show over. Before we get started, head over to timcast.com. Become a member to help support our work. We're going to have an amazing members-only segment coming up tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern. As a member, you'll get access to the entire library of our members-only content. And you'll also be supporting our journalists. But more importantly, head over to youtube.com slash popculturecrisis and subscribe to our mostly apolitical culture show. This is why. If you're into it, if you like talk about celebrities, movies, video games, gossip, and all that stuff... We can't just complain about cultural changes. We can't just complain about political issues. Politics is downstream from culture. We have to engage in these cultural issues if if we care about it. And we have to make culture. So not only are we working on shows like Tales from the Inverted World, which is a seasonal mystery paranormal investigative podcast, we're also engaging with talking about celebrities and movies and games too. And that's what the crew over at Pop Culture Crisis does every day. So subscribe there if you want to hear more about that stuff. And you'll know that when we talk about what's going on with the latest movie or Disney, it's going to be coming from a place of our values, personal responsibility, liberty, et cetera. Let's 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 talk about this first story. Uh, it's a crazy story, but I don't want to I don't want to go hard on deep cultural issues because we're going to we're, we're going to lose control of the feed in about 10 minutes. <laughs> so uh, this is from Timcast.com. First Texas bus drops off illegal immigrants in Washington, D.C., The convoy is part of Texas Governor Greg Abbott's push to secure the southern border and stem the flow of illegal immigration from Central America. So basically what happens is Joe Biden's administration starts sending illegal immigrants to communities in Texas. People get really upset by this for obvious reasons. He's been doing it all over the country, even in the dead of night. The governor of Texas said, "Okay, I'll tell you what you want to do that here. I'm going to send these people to D.C. Jen Psaki calls it a publicity stunt. Then he actually does it. Mm. Ron DeSantis says he's going to do the same thing, but send him up to Delaware. Uh, Boom.
1: That was going to be it. That's where they need to send him. <laughs> exactly.
0: To it's not perfect. Right. Sending, sending people to Delaware will just make people in Delaware upset. Mm. But the point is like, hey, Biden's the one who's doing it. So why don't you guys get a taste? Here's the thing. I, I, I'd be willing to believe that Biden's already sending illegal immigrants to Delaware and other states. They're all over the country. So. Well, uh, I don't. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on this because well, I'm curious of the process.
2: Do they do they just take them on a bus and pull up to a street and they just tell them to scatter? What what
0: what? Where are they getting dropped off at? Uh, my understanding is they actually just walked them off the bus and said, "Have a nice day."
4: Whoa, yep, that's wild. And yeah,
3: the people have all uh, agreed to go on the bus. I believe yes. too. These are only people that have have acquiesced.
1: Right.
0: They have agreed to go on the bus.
1: So I wonder if that'll end up being an endless supply of people or will they run out of because it can't just be a one-off because it is, you know, Jen Psaki, if this is just a one-off publicity stunt, you get headlines, but if there's a steady stream of them being dropped off in Delaware and in Washington, DC, and you can keep that drumbeat going and people start experiencing what, you know, has happened to, uh, these States that are on the Mexican border uh, if you can start really feeling that experience in D.C. and in Delaware and other places, the pol- Biden and these guys are going to have to react. What's Our immigration deal just is the most bizarre. It's not the most bizarre because we get so many bizarre things going on. But <laughs> One of it's them. in the top ten. Yeah. We'll get yeah. to them all, I'm sure. Yeah. What is the
3: Delaware? What's so hot about being, Delaware being a destination?
1: That's Joe Biden's mm-hmm. state. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> send, him to his home, send him to his home state. I see. Getting the I, guts. I, I, you know. There's a there's an article
0: from the Daily Beast where they said it's xenophobic for for the Republicans to do this. What? And I'm just like, well, hold on, hold on. Joe Biden is sending these people by force on buses to Texas. Greg Abbott is asking them if they want to get on a bus to go to D.C. So is is not what Joe Biden doing xenophobic? It's, it's this is the game we've been talking about a lot, but it just it happens. The double standard. It's an, it's an endless conversation every day about the double standard between what the, the administration, the Democrats, the establishment are allowed to do, always defended, and anybody who counters in any way is c- accused of all of the worst, far-right, whatever.
1: I think they would perhaps prefer to be in D.C. as well. It be easier to get your free cell phones mm-hmm. right there in D.C. There's probably a direct connect. They probably got a deal set up with Cricket or somebody to get these people the, the free uh, cell phones they were promised.
3: I don't, I don't think it's fair to call them xenophobe, xenophobic, personally. It, I just looked up the definition. One, unduly fearful of what is foreign, and especially of people or foreign origin. So being unduly fearful of what is foreign, it's not that... I think a lot of this isn't coming from fear of foreigner. It's that you disrupt the local economy when you import people that don't understand the culture or speak the language. You got to be really careful about disrupting your, your your economy. The United States is very young; it hasn't experienced a large immigration that completely altered the government. Like when people come in slowly, and then all of a sudden they're the ones that start to get there. they happened to the Roman Empire. I mean, it's the way the Roman Empire fell. Really, is the people the barbarians from the north or whatever they came in over hundreds of years, and then now they're the government, and then yeah, it's no longer. I don't the know Romans.
1: if I believe in hyper xenophobia, but I am probably xenophobic because. I- I want people that share my values in this country. Mm. I want people that believe in freedom as the ultimate prize, not entitlement <laughs> as the ultimate prize or victimization as the ultimate prize. And, and again, I don't know the people flooding our our borders and, and immigrating illegally. Maybe they do believe in American freedom. Maybe that's why they're, they're coming here. But I don't think that's what the Democrats and the people leading our uh, immigration policy... I don't think those are the values they want them to have. Uh, I, I don't think you're xenophobic.
0: You know, they, they use these phobia words to yes. make you sound unreasonable. Mm-hmm. And if you're just saying, I'm not, look, I'm personally, I'm not scared of people from Central, South America, or you even have people from Africa coming in. I'm not scared of them all, uh, any of these people. In fact, I know some, some people.
5: Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay backbreaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com slash carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com slash Carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com slash Carlson. That's carshield.com slash Carlson.
0: And they're, they're, they're good people, I hear. You know, Trump said some of them are good people, right? Mm. No, the reality is they want what a lot of people want, opportunity in America. In fact, I have more respect for them and their desires than I do for many of these woke people in this country. There's one thing I am worried about is the woke people. But the issue of xenophobia, is, that's, that's a ridiculous term. It's meant to obfuscate the real conversation. The real mm-hmm. conversation is there are economic limits to what you can do with, with people just coming across whenever they want. You end up strangling the labor market. You end up flooding the labor market. Supply and demand takes effect. And then people's wages get depressed. There's challenges there. And then as you pointed out, there are, there are a lot of people here who want to be here. And again, I do respect that desire to be in America because I know how much this country rocks. But it, they don't, if they don't understand our constitution, if they don't understand our values, then it dilutes our values and the things that made this country great. So if there's somebody who says, guys, here's the, the recipe for a great cake. And then you say, we're going to let 10 more bakers in who don't know how to bake it, but they're going to be involved. Well, then things are going to get a little wishy-washy. That's why my attitude is always like, let everybody come. Everybody can, can come, but they got to wait in line like normal and go through a, a standard process. That way we can make sure the recipe doesn't get disrupted, but we can have more cooks in the kitchen just as long as everybody's following the rules and we all agree on how it's supposed to go. It's not fear. It's actually, it, it's, I would consider it to be more compassionate so that you can make sure people can thrive. And that you're not just throwing them into the middle of a desert where these kids are are, are, are dying of dehydration.
1: I think it, you're talking about just being responsible. And it's no different than who you would allow into your home. If you got kids, wife, husband, whatever, uh, you want to be a responsible homeowner. And so you just don't let any and everybody into your home. That's the way I feel about America. You see these
0: stories of the, the refugee crisis. And a lot of people are like, you know, are you going to let some of these refugees into your houses, many of these these left activists who were very much like, yeah, we got to let all the refugees in would not offer up any of their homes. Now, I do personally know left-wing woke activists who did. And it was great success. And I'm like, that's amazing that you had the resources. You had a plan. you were You were capable to do this. Not everybody is. Asking a middle-class family who's just scraping by paycheck to paycheck to open their doors to somebody... That's what you're doing when you're like, let's have open borders, let's 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 allow all these people to come in. Yeah, I get it. You guys might be in big cities with a higher cost of standard of living, a higher cost of living. You have more money, but the poor working class people who are paycheck to paycheck, it's straining their lives. And that's 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 not that's not okay, right? You gotta be you gotta you gotta respect the working class people. It's a whole concept of like the
2: the luxury belief where you can have these beliefs because you're not really incurring the cost directly. You're sort of exporting those costs to those around you who are taking the brunt of the policies you advocate for, like the people who are most likely to say something like, you know, abolish the police, they tend to be like <laughs> upper class white people <laughs> mm. who have probably live in gated communities. These aren't the people who are dealing in these these cities, these areas where there's high crime. So it's really easy for someone like that to say, you know, these, these platitudes that really sound good, to sort of give them this credit to the people around them. Um, Because, again, they're not incurring these costs. The guy named Rob Henderson, he coined that term. Let me
0: I want want to add, too, just to back to the conversation about the buses. Bringing illegal immigrants into these areas just does exactly what Democrats were hoping was going to happen anyway, that you're going to increase the population of a district, which results in a larger – in the census, resulting in a larger population after the census. And then they'll get more congressional seats, more electoral seats. So, yeah, send them to D.C., send them, you know, D.C. maybe makes sense because they don't get representation.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Sending sending uh, people to Delaware just gives Delaware more congressional power and more electoral votes. So the real issue is, you know, people should be welcome to this country with open arms through a legal process that makes sure they thrive. And so do we. But I think I think the main issue is people on the left, they're not having kids. So they need to find ways that in the next 20 years they will still have voting power. And that's by bringing in new people who have a tendency to vote for democratic policies and democratic politicians. Conservatives have kids. Liberals don't. So liberals need to go to the schools to get your kids in line with their views so they can get conservative kids on their side or they need to bring people in who will side with them.
1: Reminds me of a Netflix documentary that I watched called Wild Wild Country. It's about Portland or an area in Oregon, not Portland, but an area in Oregon that was taken over by this Indian Hindu uh they nosha nosha uh he was basically a sex guru or whatever mm. and they started literally to gain voting power and to take over this section of of Oregon they started recruiting this happened in the 70s this is like a real life story they started bussing in people from Los Angeles homeless people into this area so they could change the voting demographics in Oregon so they could take over more and and It ended up the homeless people were on drugs and many of them violent and they actually turned on the people that brought them there because their needs weren't getting met. Uh, It's it's one of the best, greatest documentaries I've ever seen because it happened in the 70s and explains everything that's going on today.
0: It takes time and they're willing to invest the time. So if someone who is eight years old today gets indoctrinated in a school, they're voting in 10 years. So it's it's a long game. We can't think in in short term cycles like two and four years. You got to think ahead. You got to think ten, twenty years. Someone born today more likely to be conservative because of just standard demographics of conservatives having kids, liberals not, and also having abortions. So you got eighteen years until conservatives get that advantage. How do you counter that? They know this. They they play the long game. Conservatives, I think, you know, um, the 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 the, the uh, politically minded, politically um, careered. Are probably thinking about this on the conservative side i think regular people miss this you know they don't understand necessarily why the schools do what they do when they go after kids
1: a lot of what the left is doing seems desperate to me and it makes me think that they think they only have a limited amount of time to execute Mm. their plan before the whole thing collapses in on
3: them yeah i was thinking how much of it is desperation how much of it is instinct like Seems like humans have an instinct to parent. I don't know. I do. I don't know if you guys do. I, I feel like I just love kids. I wanted to help kids. Uh, and, and so I was like, well, if I never actually have kids, what's reproduction? If I make a bunch of videos and there's a bunch of copies of it, then I'm forming some sort of reproduction that will affect society. And maybe I can help the children that way. Very leftist mentality. You know, it's very much like what, what we see now. And I wonder if it's just like they, they really want to help, but, and then, and then they're, but they're so twisted that they're trying to help by, you know, infusing these specific ideals. Or if they actually want to hurt people, I, I'm not getting the vibe that they want to hurt people. Uh, it just seems more like a communist. Uh, they want power. M- mental shift that's like taking hold of these people or something. They, they, I don't they, know if they, communist is the right word.
0: They want power, and they're not afraid to. They're not. They're not afraid to inflict collateral damage on people to get it. I think that's true of anyone, mm-hmm. you know. But I think there's a tendency. What we see with the establishment, the Democratic Party, and even the uniparty Republican types. What's happened is there's been a populist uprising also on the left. I think a lot of the Bernie people, many of them moved over. Nine million Obama voters moved over to vote for Trump. It's really just about populism. We, we had Steve Bannon saying he was far right. And then he says, tax the rich. And I'm like, I don't know if that's far right, dude. I think that's actually a left position, but it's just a populist position. It's about, are you in support of elites telling you what to do and how to live? Or do you think the people, we the people should decide and, and, and form our own government?
1: we the people What are gonna say jason i well i was gonna piggyback up ian am am i right are you an atheist or agnostic
3: more agnostic than anything
1: okay and so what i see from the left honestly is just they think that they're secular so they think they're god and uh it's just a power grab Mm -hmm. and and again did you probably watch the or saw a little bit of like game of thrones and Game of Thrones is just a story when it was good the first four or five seasons about what human beings will do for power and anything they'll do anything for power and that and particularly if you don't have some kind of religious belief some kind of faith in a higher power and you think you're capable of being the ultimate decider it puts you in a very bad you'll do very bad things for power because you have so much belief in in your ability to control things and do what's best for other people. And I just don't have that kind of arrogance because I believe I'm just a very tiny, insignificant part of this thing that God put together. And, you know, I I don't want that kind of power. I I literally want to stick to the principles taught in the Bible and, and, you know, hope for the best and hope that I'm right. Uh, And I, I just see, the, the the left is so secular and and they see themselves as god that's what scares me what makes me
3: them. nervous about the church is i feel like the the church has acted as now they are the mouthpiece of god it's like another form of of secularism almost like who cares about a building and a guy that tells you he's a priest like god's real god's out there god is an energy field flowing like it's it's there it's always there you don't need someone to to you don't need to like be told. You don't need authority to tell you that. What about your relationship with God?
1: I feel Lead it. the church out of it.
3: I feel it. I, I science has helped me see the cosmic microwave background radiation. For instance, is this web of energy left over after the Big Bang. You see it arcing through star systems, and then you feel your heart beating. It's getting like the heat is coming from without. Like it's we're, we're getting these electrical currents pumping through us. And after I started to, to see, I smoke a lot of weed. That helped a lot, actually. <laughs> uh, and to he's feel like, the yeah. heat. And then you can feel your own heat. And I'm like, wow, did Jesus do Reiki? And then you see that Jesus, like, went off maybe to India for some period in yeah. his early life and, and studied, like, Hinduism and Reiki and came back as, like, a healer. So wow. I started doing Reiki, and that's well, real.
0: Let, let me let me throw in there, I think, I actually enjoy when, when Ian and Seamus talk about religious stuff, because uh, Seamus comes from a more, like, um, what, what's, the, what's the right word? Uh, he, he's, he's, he's devout. You yeah. know, he goes to Mass... Ian has a bunch of ideas about spirituality that I think need to be answered, and it, and it, and it creates something interesting. I think I, I certainly think Ian sees or feels something that, you know, needs to be answered or defined. And maybe maybe there's a, a in the more rigid structures, people have thought about these things. Oh, yeah. I also want to add the suspense is killing me because I'm like, what's going on? I know. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone's supposed to come to the door at any. Yeah, minute. it
4: should I'm be like, any second. Oh, Seven yeah. twenty. I know. You know it's I'll, time. I'll, I'll
2: say briefly, you know, as a card-carrying atheist myself. Um, A major problem is we have You know it's not religion per se that's the problem I think it's like the dogma that tends to go Hand in hand with it and a lot of people On the left a lot of these woke people They've convinced themselves that they're Not religious and that they also have no dogma Where that's the complete error Like they have their own dogma but since they've Convinced themselves they're non-religious They think they're impervious to this they don't see themselves As actually acting religious In many areas where they absolutely are We're gonna go um all right, we're good yeah. to go, everybody. Okay. Oh, this is, this, oh, we're doing something okay. weird. All
4: right, here we go. This is the
1: first we're on Timcast IRL.
2: They're taking over.
4: They're taking to.
1: They're taking. Are we still on the air or have yeah. they already they're taken gonna
4: over? They're going to steal us in just right. one second, oh. second. You heard it
1: here, you guys.
4: <laughs> oh, oh, we're still on the air. Oh, snap. Let me show you guys what's going on. Um, I think we're off now. We've given them the strength. Oh, yes, oh. we have. I gave them control. Yes. Look at this.
0: All right, the suspense was killing me because I'm like, I don't know when they're actually going to call me in. If you can hear me, I don't know what's going on. We're walking through the Daily Wires headquarters. I got Joe Biden behind me, and we are making our way to the backstage live studio with Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, Andrew Claven, Matt Walsh, and Jeremy Boring. And uh, I wrote they're going to take over my show, but I'm going to take over theirs. So we're making our way through the studio right now. I think I can hear people. Let's see if we can pull this off effectively. I smell cigars. I smell cigars. Coming around the corner, I'll be a little out of breath. Fun, huh? All right, here we the go. The thing
7: is that you can... Uh-oh. Hey, what is this? Hey, uh, They just let anybody in here? Oh, my yes. God. What's security? And I thought we had security in No, nope,
0: no. Nope. I, I, beat, I beat all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going to yeah. You're going to hang out with us? Absolutely, sir. Hey, that's wow. fun. Oh, great. And actually, you guys are, are taking over my show at the same time. Are we live so right now? Long? We're on. We're on, we're on, on Tim show, is, right You now? are all my guests on TimCast IRL right now. Wow! <laughs> I couldn't fit all of your names in the title, so I just went with Ben Shapiro. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's
8: fair. That's the only one that's going to get studio Nice set, dude. Oh, thanks. I mean, like, nice job <laughs> with this. This is way better.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
8: we're in a trailer out in your, your your alley. Yeah. People don't realize that Tim has been broadcasting from our hill all week from a from a fifth wheel trailer that he converted into a mobile studio. And tonight he's going to learn how God feels about it because we have thunderstorms coming through Nashville ah, yes. in 45 minutes. Yeah. And he'll still be broadcasting <laughs> right. from Tim, the most dangerous place in America to be in. a Welcome really- to my
0: show, everybody. Oh, <laughs> be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is the best lineup of guests I've ever had on Tim Kest. <laughs>
8: <laughs> I really like being on your show from here
9: because when I go on your show from the hinterland, i got to drive an hour through the woods with serial it's like killers. It's Texas with...
7: Chainsaw Man. It is. House, right? It is. Course, like, yeah. It's so, a cool house. Your, your security guy almost gave me a heart attack as I was walking out. I walk out in the dark of night and this guy goes, hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny when uh, we've invited some left personalities
0: who already have apprehension <laughs> and then i really scared because, we, you know, we're in, it's western Maryland, but it's the middle of nowhere. It's like the Blue Ridge Mountains. Yeah, And you drive through pitch black. And then you have <laughs> to drive up a long, it's about a, you know, what, like 1,500 feet driveway.
8: And there are security deer everywhere. everywhere.
0: There, there, there are, <laughs> they're ready to pound. Well, you know, when you're driving up in the, in the dead of night and your lights are on, all of a sudden you see glowing eyes everywhere. <laughs> no. And then you're like, I think most people are fine with it. In the summer, it's fine. It's still day out when you arrive. It's <laughs> yeah. true. Well, what, what were you guys talking about before I interrupted uh, We were talking about
10: 2024 and, and what we think is going to happen. And, and we we're sort of positing the thesis that Democrats are so wildly out of tune with the American public right now that Republicans look pretty good, but they could make the mistake of taking their eye off the ball, which brought up the, the inevitable T-word, right, of course, which is which is Trump and whether he
0: runs Oh, or yeah, yeah. I think so. But isn't it starting to feel like DeSantis... Might be... Your mouth's uh, God's
8: ears, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that Trump saying, I think just this last week, that his health would be a factor in making the decision uh is the first time that he said anything that in any way left him an out not to run. Yeah. Uh, and in many ways, you know,
5: Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker.
8: He has a lot to lose I agree. if he runs. If he, there's always going to be an asterisk beside his 2020 loss. If he were to run and lose in 2024, you remove the asterisk. Hmm.
7: And so, and, and all right. the all the prosecutions that they're threatening with is clearly political.
8: Now that makes me want him to run.
7: But he, keep playing, mean, di- no, keep no. playing dirty. No, I don't. I don't think so because I think that he could actually be hurt financially uh, by those if he runs. If he doesn't run, they won't. I, I have this sense. Everybody keeps telling me I'm wrong. Everybody who knows Trump tells me I'm wrong. I have this sense he's not going to run. That he's staying relevant. He's raising money off his, you know, the hints that he's going to run. But I just don't think there's enough in it for him. Mm-hmm. And he's old. Well, I always like to tell you you're wrong. No, no. Oh, you, you think, to your you think point,
9: Drew, that the prosecutions could hurt him, that this is the problem that the, the powers that be are powerful. Yes, and they, yes, They can actually wield that power and really hurt yeah. you.
0: But, but why is DeSantis not in the same vein as Trump? He
9: can, well, he he doesn't run
10: if Trump runs, I think. I, I, I think I, runs. You know,
0: I'm, I'm beginning to doubt that's true. Really? I'm beginning to
10: doubt that's true. And the yeah, reason I, that yeah. I'm beginning to doubt that's true is because I think that what DeSantis, like most good politicians, understands is there is a time. Yeah. Right? This is right. something that Jeremy and I have discussed a bunch of times before, uh, which is that there are certain politicians where it's like if they had grabbed the moment, it would have been their moment. And if they missed the moment, they're toast. And this happened with, for example, Elizabeth Warren in 2016. If she had jumped in in 2016 and not let Hillary Clinton foreclose her, yeah. she would have been the Bernie figure in that race and she would have stolen a lot of thunder from Hillary Clinton being the first presidential woman nominee. Chris Christie in 2012. Right, Chris Christian's twenty like there are certain periods where if you take if you go for the brass ring and you grab at it, it's your moment. And then if you miss it, it's just gone. And also, also
11: theory. the other thing is, I think DeSantis, of men. Desantis understands that the in, in the primary twenty sixteen Republicans running against Trump, they either just ignored him and didn't attack him at all, which was a mistake, or they attacked him basically from the left and they they said that well I don't I don't like his attitude, it's, it makes me uncomfortable. I, I think Trump is vulnerable and what DeSantis probably understands, although I, I don't know him, is that if you, you can go at Trump from the right and you yeah. can say, you can hit Trump on vaccines, you can hit him on Fauci, you can hit him on COVID. Um, and I, I think, yeah. I actually think the best path for DeSantis, it, it, uh, as you said, we're still two years away
8: from this. Uh, but if DeSantis were to choose to challenge Trump, I actually think his best path is not to hit Trump. I think his best path is essentially to say, Mr. President, I voted for you. Uh, There's no question in in my mind that you're the man we needed in 2016. The question is, are you the man that we need in 2016? Trump's not going to
11: allow that. That, that, That's what they tried in 2016. And then eventually Trump will turn around and go after you. And and you're you're just sitting there. You're not prepared for it. So I think you have to be. More proactive. It just you don't have to be obsessive about it, but you. But might, I, you're I agree with you that lot, from the right. I agree with you that that a lot of Trump's
10: appeal in 2016, because I felt this way when he was debating Jeb Bush, is that he just kept pummeling the guy who was more to the center. And Jeb Bush would be like, "I'm really uncomfortable with how you talk about illegal immigration," and Trump be right. like, "You're stupid." Like, yeah. And that, there's a lot of that.
0: I have. I have a. I feel like I have a different perspective from you guys, cause, yeah. uh, for one, look how I'm dressed compared to you guys. I, just, no, I, really I do think, you know, in all honesty though, I come from kind of a different world. I grew up in, in Chicago, and, uh, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I don't think everybody here did. Did you guys? No, I didn't. I did. I did not yeah. vote for either. Uh, in 2020, I, I, I've just been seeing over the past decade what I would describe as the left being so unreasonable and just out of their minds. I'm sitting with a group of prominent conservatives, and I've, I've, this is not how I grew up. No. I grew up in Chicago, surrounded by Democrats. And now I'm looking at 2024 and I would I'm like, I would vote for DeSantis.
6: Hmm.
0: I, I don't know. I don't I didn't like Trump in 2016. I voted for him because I know Biden, because I knew the the, the Obama. You voted
8: for him in 2020,
0: 2020. Sorry, yeah, yeah. 2020. I voted for Trump. Uh, I like that he didn't start new wars. I like the Abraham Accords. I liked school choice. And I did not like wokeness because I think it's uh, an affront to all of the civil rights battles that have been fought. Now we see DeSantis in Florida and everything he's doing speaks to me. Not everything, but a lot of it. So I don't know if I would vote for Trump. I didn't necessarily want to vote for him in the first place. No. No.
10: This is, this is I think the biggest issue for, for Trump. And, and that is that my theory of, of elections is that elections are oppositional and whoever the election is a referendum on loses. So in 2016, the great myth that the media tried to create is that it was a referendum on Trump. And it was not a referendum on Trump. It was that's a referendum right. on Hillary Clinton. Hmm. People looked at Hillary, and they're like, I hate that lady. She's awful. She's garbage. And I don't know this Trump guy. He's real weird. This is he how says Trump dumb stuff, but I'll take a shot at it. That's him. right. This is, is how Trump can get
8: fewer votes in Wisconsin than did Mitt, Mitt Romney four Romney in years earlier, That's right. and, and still, still win Wisconsin. Cause Correct. Because the election was really about Hillary. Right. And Democrats were and like, then,
10: And then by 2020... Joe Biden ran what for him was, I think, the only campaign he could run. But it turned out to be kind of a brilliant campaign, which is he just lay in a basement for, for <laughs> six months. And Joe and every so often they would creak open the crypt, know, walk out and say. And then he'd go back downstairs and that would be the end of his campaign. And so the referendum was not on Biden. The referendum was on Trump. Well, go to 2024. If Trump runs again, the question is, I'm not sure who that's a referendum on. Is it on Biden or is it on Trump? Right. That's a real question because we they're now really, really prominent figures. If it's anybody. They, anybody but Trump, it's hard for it not to be a referendum on Biden. He's been president for the last four years and he's done, I, I, I'm I, honest to God, I'm amazed He's been able to set this many things on fire for a man who's not ambulatory. <laughs> you know, there is a tactic DeSantis
9: is using, a rhetorical tactic that I think every Republican needs to adopt. The old Republican view of things when they were asked a question, what do you want for breakfast in the morning? Let's say, if they, hey, Senator Rand Paul, what do you want for breakfast? you would say, well, you know, some people want omelets and some people want pancakes. And the great thing about America is we can have whatever we want for breakfast. Right? It's this very <laughs> sort of ambiguous thing. And you ask DeSantis, what do you want for breakfast? He goes. Look, we tried pancakes in Arkansas and we tried uh, omelets and we're going to have scrambled eggs. Scrambled eggs work in Florida and they're going to work throughout America, okay? And there's no question or ambiguity. It's very persuasive.
0: Well, let me let me ask you is Joe Biden even going to run in 2024?
10: Uh, I mean, I think they have to. I think they have to really? strap him to a gurney. They have to turn him up right. <laughs> and they have to just him around I, because they, they, they have sure to. What are they going to do? They're going to try out Kamala Harris, the worst candidate no. who's ever been created by God or man. It's unbelievable. He will They're not the best be able
11: leader. to speak at all. I, so I it I doesn't matter.
10: What old. are you going to do? Kamala Harris is the best description I've heard is from the account J T L O L, which is that she is the human embodiment of a predictive text program. You start, you start <laughs> typing words into Google and whatever is the next word is what she says. And so the importance of the passage of time is mm-hmm. important with regard to the passage yes. of time. And like so she's terrible. And then in the and then they're like, oh well, you know, we've got this other guy over here, and he's so great that he went on paternity leave for two months and nobody even noticed. He couldn't fill a pothole in South Bend Indiana, but on the other hand, he is gay.
11: Yeah. I mean, that,
10: and and that's that's literally the pitch for Steve Buddha. I, I that's, yeah. that's
11: an impotent. Right. First of all, I like that, Camilla Harris. To me, she's always like, um, like I was in in high school when uh, I have to give a a book report, but I didn't read the book. Like that's what she always sounds like. But I, 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 that you just, you run into just a a simple fact of age. So are you going to run a guy who'll be, what, he'll be 82, right? And so, by the end of his term, he's 86. Just, that's just like an impossible. Well, they don't have to get him to the end of his term. They just have to get him to. Yeah,
7: I don't. Okay, I, but I, for the purpose, for the I, I, I purpose of running,
11: right. they have to pretend that he's going to make it to the no. end of the term. Yeah, I
7: don't think. No, he's going he's going did, he didn't pretend you. he
10: was going to make it to the end of the term this time. <laughs> right? he, he basically <laughs> <laughs> the,
8: the problem that they have. The reason I think they have to run him, okay. I, and I think that the base doesn't care if he's still cogent. No, the base doesn't care. They don't right. care. Yeah. The reason they have to run him is Kamala. They would like yeah, to sub him out with Buttigieg. They might even like to sub him out if if we are making moves towards Trump with uh, with Hillary Clinton, which would be their great revenge fantasy playing out. But the problem is that there is a sitting Vice President, and how do you get her to just move aside and let you do that? Well, the, but she'll, the only way they, the
10: they they do have one Trump card, right? Which is they could they could theoretically call on Michelle, right? That is that is clearly their best move. If, That's, if, that is if, their because best of, because move because that is a black woman VP. You just say, listen, there's this other black woman, and she's more famous than you, and she's more popular than you. And she's a best-selling author, and we have now softened her image to the point where she's not the, the radical who's I'm, writing Princeton, D.C. Sure about how America's racist. Uh,
8: everybody wants to be president. I, well, no. uh,
6: she might not be. She, she
8: likes being Oprah. She likes uh, being Oprah. She's very,
7: wants, very popular. Oprah wants to be president. Oprah would – that's a
8: better Everyone selection. wants to be president. Uh, listen, Michelle Obama is the is the nuclear option Option. No question. No, question. no yeah. question. Why wouldn't they use her?
10: I think they would love to use her. I think the only question is whether she and Barack want to have his – like, if she were to run and lose – whether this would tarnish the Obama magisterial image that he's created for himself, and that guy loves him. I mean, Obama loves him. To Obama, I mean, when he came to the <laughs> White House, that that was
8: it's one of the that, sorriest it displays I've so sad. ever. It said. really
10: was. I, it was the first I'm time. Sorry, I, it 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 actually no. did. I I I'm, I can't believe what it says it made me feel bad for for Biden. Oh, it, yeah. did. Oh, my. I mean, I, it did. Oh, I mean, I, I, like like he he walks up on stage and he makes a joke about how he's Barack Obama's vice president, and then Barack Obama gets and was like. Well, yeah, over there's my vice president. It's like, you don't get to make that joke. That makes you a dick. I
8: mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> the, the two things that were, most, that were most on display in that entire episode were, one, what a sorry bastard Barack Obama is. And if you read Maureen Dowd during his administration, she hated him for his treatment of Joe Biden as his vice president. Biden was this completely loyal, subservient even vice president And Obama treated him like absolute dirt the entire time. Uh, So you see, you just see how his view of himself and his view of people around him. And then the other sorry thing is you saw the media's view of him. You know, that that horrible clip where Biden realizes that the president of the United, no one wants to talk to the president of the United States. Multiple. Because they're all talking to Barack Obama. He's got his
10: hand on Obama's shoulder and Obama's shaking him off to shake hands over here. You just realize... The media the, all he the media, the media, somebody gen- to guide him to the bathroom. That's right. That's <laughs> all <he wanted>.
8: The <laughs> media genuinely believes that Barack Obama is a deity, and Barack Obama agrees with them. That's that's what was on display to me. Did Joe Rogan
0: say something to that effect about uh, Michelle Obama? And uh, I don't want to put words in Joe's mouth, but he mentioned something about Barack Obama being a great president or something to that effect, and Michelle Obama being a potentially great option. I think I think mm. you know he's relevant for one having the biggest podcast in the world, but I think he speaks to a lot of people who are in the middle and confused or. Don't necessarily know how they're going to, uh, vote come 2020, uh, 2022 and 2024. But I think if these people, the you know, moderates, independents, former left people see Michelle Obama, I think a lot of them will be convinced yeah. to vote Democrat again. I'm not entirely convinced. For me, my brain exploded after 2020 with just, yeah, I'm done with this. You know, I'm, yeah. uh, or 20, 2018 even when I think it was 31 seats that did, uh, count, uh, districts that voted for Trump vote Democrat. And all of these moderate Democrats said, we're going to bring you kitchen table issues. We're not going to focus on culture war issues. And the first thing they do is they, they move to impeach Trump. And it felt like I was just yeah. spit on. I was I, like, you know, I, I had faith that if I, if I just, you know, push back, I donated to a lot, some of these Democrats thinking that they'll actually re, you know, reconfigure things and, and fix this. And they only made it worse. The only, the only thing I
10: think that they could really harm Michelle Obama, if she were to run, is I think that she really has ideologically, she always has been very radical. And I think that, she will re-embrace wokeness because she too is in that bubble. Yep. I think the most, ironically, the thing that we complain the most about is probably the thing that may save the republic, and that is the media bias. The media bias is so strong The Democrats do not understand that there's an entire world outside of the Beltway that just Mm -hmm. thinks they're crazy. And so the reason that you see the White House saying things like, well, you know, it's very important that we use the DOJ to crack down on people stopping little girls from being turned into little boys. The reason they say that is because The New York Times agrees with them and The Washington Post agrees with them and everybody they know agrees with them.
11: The other thing about Michelle Obama is that she's attractive to people, I guess, not to me, but to, to people as like an idea. But if she's running for office, then she's actually going to have to be out there talking. And when you listen to her talk, kind of to your point about how radical she is, but also she's just really a, a kind of a vile human being. I'll, I'll never forget this story she told on a podcast somewhere about when she experienced racism. Like she was still harboring this resentment because she went to get ice cream and a white woman didn't notice her and, like, and cut in front of her. And she told this whole story about how she was a victim of racism as the first lady in the United States Uh, because a white woman was getting ice cream before her. There's
10: that story that she told about how she went to the grocery store and she was tall, so somebody asked her to take something down from the top shelf. Exactly. She said that that was racism. It's like, no, you're just tall. I mean, (laughs) I'd ask Matt to get something from the top shelf for me.
0: (laughs) who, who, Who are the voters who fall for that stuff?
7: No, yeah, are, see, are I, there, are there- I agree with you, Tim. I, you know, I, I think that she's. I think that Michelle Obama. I don't think she would run, but I think that she is a good candidate if she runs. But you know, the voters are not as uh enamored of identity politics as the Democrats are. They, in, in no way, are they.
0: Well, right. the, the 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 poll about uh, the parental rights and education bill in Florida has overwhelming support from Democrat voters right. who yeah, were polled at the very vote. least. Yet they double down on this stuff. It's like you were saying that the, the media bias is palpable. I don't know if you guys saw CNN Plus only has 10,000 daily
8: active users. <laughs> wow. In the, in, you know, oh, hold, hold on just a second.
0: Yeah, yeah. But,
7: but I think I'll enjoy Chris uh, Wallace's new show, What Have I Done? I think. <laughs> By the way, who, who was the business
10: genius at Warner who was like, okay, so we have CNN. And no one watches. <laughs> what if we take the same hosts and we put them behind a paywall yeah. doing more boring things? I mean, how does this go wrong here, guys? Well, this seems like a genius business plan to me. Well, are giving you money every, every
7: time you don't watch CNN. You now make money. I, I like
0: it. You know, it. I, I will tell you guys something interesting, though, because uh, Matt and I were talking about this the other day when I asked you, why, why is it The Daily Wire is 600,000-plus subscribers, CNN can't even get 10,000 daily users? You mentioned mission. I think is what you said, right?
11: Mm-hmm. When
0: I worked, well, I for- said me. I
11: said the reason is me, and then- <laughs> oh,
0: okay, <right. laughs> the number two <laughs> reason. He did say that. He said he was better than everybody. Uh, you know, in in uh, when I was working for these big corporate media outlets, I was at a, a company called Fusion, which is ABC News and Univision. They said mission-driven storytelling. That was that was their line as to what their goals were. It's almost like they were either predicting or wanting politics to be the main driver of what was going to bring people to different media outlets. The only issue is I felt like their narratives were built on lies and manipulation. We have to withhold information from people, trick them, feed them only the information mm-hmm. we want. Whereas I feel like with what you guys do, with what we do, it's here's everything. Let's argue about it.
8: Yeah. So that's, that's what I love about this show that we get to do once a month is that we quite often disagree and those disagreements i think are central to to what makes the daily wire work I, I think at the core of the daily wire success is our fundamental religious difference that we we talked about it today in fact that our fundamental religious disagreement means that central to our friendship is the idea that there's not ubiquity and that mm. there's not uh, uh, unanimity. Un, unanimity in our thought and that's it's not that we don't have a strong perspective as a company it's not that we don't have a strong uh, that we don't have a side in the fight uh, but it's that we that we are actually engaged in the exchange of ideas and, and trying to always learn more and and know more and be better. Tim, thank you for uh, well for coming on uninvited. Nope. Please feel free to invite yourself on the show again in the future. <laughs> thank you to all of our DailyWire.com members for making this possible. We're going to wrap up because there's a thunderstorm rolling in. This guy's got to get back to his tornado bait trailer, and Ben <laughs> Shapiro has to get on an airplane and get out of here. Head over to DailyWire.com/slash subscribe. Use promo code Build the Future. You still have 23 hours left to become a member at 45. Percent off. We'd really appreciate you being a member. We appreciate our members making it possible for us to do the work that we're doing, including fighting Woke Disney. So thanks again. We'll see you next week. We'll give you a fake clap. I don't know, one of these days. Should <laughs> <Can> I just <laughs> run out the door now? Yeah, you should <laughs> leave. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. It was a pleasure Thanks, thanks for, you
3: for having me. In the earlier show, earlier part of the show, they were talking about uh, Trump, DeSantis, and who was going to run. And then they got, they kind of parlayed the conversation into the Democrats and who they thought was going to run for <laughs> the Democrats. I thought that ben shapiro made a very interesting point blackboard. about uh populism when he mentioned michelle obama mm. and running a populist can't candidate i'm interested to see what you guys think about that
1: uh, the michelle obama question that part of the discussion is what fascinated me because I, I i do think she would probably be the best candidate for the democrats i do think again corporate media is obsessed with oh so-and-so's making history because they're the first black woman this just like we just saw with Kadanji Brown Jackson and so people love they're fascinated by participating or witnessing history mm-hmm. and it's like and again it's like when Barack Obama first ran in 2008, I think a lot of people voted because they, this is a history making deal and I want to be on the record that mm-hmm. I voted for Barack Obama and it's proof that I'm not racist.
2: It's, it's got the history building, and they've they've spent a lot of years curating Michelle Obama's image, and having the last name Obama is just going to be huge in, in the realm of politics. So yeah, she she is the nuclear option for sure.
3: Uh, we we parlayed what you guys were talking about with. Populism, And I liked how Ben brought up Michelle Obama. I think we may have had an audio technical glitch in the first part. And then we it seemed oh, to smooth oh, out. Yeah, you it guys yeah, it got it the out. first time, you know, mm-hmm. and it's all about it. When you have a new piece of technology, a new cool idea, you try it. And if it fails, you try it again and you do it and then you get it right. And mm-hmm. that's what we're that doing here. That was fun. Here. They look they look great, I run
0: yeah. through the rain. Yeah, and, uh, you're kind of now. <laughs> and uh, hang out, those guys. Cigar smoke everywhere. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, what were you guys talking about? So let's uh, let's 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 well, get back into it. And thanks for you know sitting around while I was doing that thing. Ooh, I, appreciate enjoyed that. I enjoyed watching. Yeah, that, was yeah. that was fascinating. Yeah. Cool, that was
1: cool. not the conversation I was expecting, mm. but I was fascinated.
3: You know, shout out to Ron DeSantis. Thanks for bringing him up. And we were just basically carrying the conversation forward from where you guys were talking about, you know, who, who do you think the Democrats? Who do you think the Democrats are going to run? Because I cannot imagine it would be Joe Biden at this point. <laughs>
0: I, I will say with, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I know I'm in for the last few minutes of the Daily Wires uh, show. And, but I don't want to just keep talking over everybody. But I also kind of felt like, well, I should talk because I'm only here for a few minutes. Yeah. But I don't I don't I you know, I know Ben was saying he thinks they have to have Joe Biden run. They're going to strap him to a gurney and wheel him out. I think he's Right but i don't think even strapping him to a gurney would make it possible for him to run the dude couldn't couldn't run in the first place he was calling a lid and just sleeping the whole time yeah and uh and and ben mentioned it was a referendum on trump i don't even think we're going to have a referendum on biden i think we're having a referendum on democrats so this this yeah. midterm election is going to be big and i think it's going there's a lot of variables between now and in 2022 this is November, uh, the midterm elections and 2024 but I don't, you know, it's tough to say because I feel like reading the news every day, watching what's going on, seeing the impacts, that certainly regular people must be feeling some of this, but maybe that's just wrong. Maybe even though we might see the problem and have some, some uh, solutions to offer, regular people don't know what the problem is. So they're being approached by two different groups, Democrats and Republicans, who are saying, trust me, I'll, I'll do right by you. I'm sitting here saying I've watched the news relentlessly. I've been reading about this. I've seen the policies. I don't think every, anybody's perfect. I think everybody gets a little bit of the blame. But obviously Donald Trump was better. And they say, oh, but you're biased. I can't trust you. And it's like, you know, they call you right wing if you're telling the truth at this point.
4: When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.
0: If you say something like, Joe Biden flew his son on Air Force Two to China for a private equity deal, that's a conflict of interest. They say that's a right-wing talking point. No, it's a fact. And I'm not going to vote for a guy who did that. Donald Trump also has, you know, stupid BS for sure. They were advertising Trump golf resorts or whatever on some State Department website. I'm not a fan of that. But if I have to choose between the two, Trump is objectively better.
6: Mm. Well,
0: we got to tornado home yeah, yeah. <laughs> no,
2: first. I think this is going to be an election where there's a lot of people, and I put myself in that camp, sort of those disaffected, left of center, people who are still consider themselves liberals in many sense. During the last election, like, I couldn't bring myself to vote for either of the parties, I didn't like Trump, I just, I couldn't bring myself to vote for him, I couldn't vote for for Biden either. But if this next election doesn't have Trump in it, I mean, it's just there's so many people I think that are in my, in my boat who, there's no reason not to vote for a Republican anymore. DeSantis has all the best parts of Trump where he's, you know, he's bold, he's anti-woke, he's gonna go after people, he's not gonna take crap from anybody. But he doesn't have, like, that narcissistic insanity, what's he gonna do next, is he just gonna you know, start pushing the nuke button or something. And I think that's actually a powerful thing. I think we're this is the first election in a while where those disaffected liberals are actually free to vote their mind in a way they hadn't been
0: previously. Well, let's talk about these stories that we pulled up. We got uh, one from the New York Post. Mind the tornado above us, Brent. I apologize. Uh, Uh, This is from the New York Post. ESPN star Jason Whitlock blasts Disney for feminizing sports. I, yes... And I think this is going to this is going to be a uh, this will play a role in the upcoming elections in that. You've got what's happening with the NCAA swimming with uh, with Leah Thomas, and I know I've been critical of people who refuse to speak up, saying if you're not speaking up publicly, how can I defend you? Because people will just say nobody's mad about this. What are you complaining about if you can't stand up for yourself? But I will say at the very least, these people will be secret Trump voters like we saw in 2016 and 2020. A large percentage of people who would not admit it, but once they get into the polling booth, they look around, look over their shoulders, and then hit Trump a million times. The history because of, of things like this. Voting,
3: it's it's secret for a reason because that's a natural part of people's minds. When they see crap out there, they don't want to have to stand up and say it, but they're going to vote the way they feel. See the lights flicker there. Uh, we the rain now. Wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, how did the lights flicker? We're on independent electricity. Wow. <laughs> magnetic field. Well, so so so, yeah. Jason, let's talk about this. Uh, your take on the feminization <laughs> of sports?
1: Well. I think a lot of people, it kind of went over their heads in 1996 when Disney acquired ABC and ESPN. And, and that once you start, once you're taken over by Disney, you now, Disney's going to promote its values. There's no greater cultural force than perhaps Disney across the entire globe. And, So I think Disney came in with an agenda. I think in in 1994, Disney tried to acquire NBC, couldn't. NBC at that time had the NBA broadcast. Disney has wanted to get in the sports lane. They got into the sports lane with ESPN because they understand anybody in the entertainment field, entertainment industry understands that live sports is the most valuable asset for attracting a massive audience and being able to preach your values to a massive audience particularly in this now dvr watch stuff when you want to era that we're in live sports is the only thing where people sit down and watch it as it happens live and so they wanted espn they wanted it in the sports world and they wanted to apply their values their culture to the sports world and that's what has happened and i think disney based on their attack on young kids and the sexuality and the gender thing. Disney believes in the matriarchy. Disney believes in the uprooting of the patriarchy. Disney is very feminist. And uh, they've applied all those values to ESPN, which is the worldwide leader in sports. And that's why if you just look at sports over the last 25, 30 years since Disney has owned ESPN, sports have just become softer and more feminized. I I actually, I spoke
0: about this in 2018 when we were seeing culture, you know, uh, video games, movies, seeing all the woke influx. I said, it's going to be real crazy when the NFL, the NBA and Major League Sports start being forced to adopt these things. And we're starting to see it. You know, we we spoke with uh, Jonathan Isaac. That dude's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how he didn't want to kneel for Black Lives Matter. People got mad at him about it. So we had a meeting we said we're going to do this and he was like i don't believe in it though the crazy thing is here's a guy you got colin Kaepernick who kneels he gets ragged on for it well he brought politics into the game i understand why people might be mad about that well the politics there starts spreading to everyone kneeling and now you got a guy jonathan isaac being like i just don't want to kneel i don't mind if you do and they're mad at him because he won't bend the knee you see
1: i i think i think And just keep in mind, everybody on ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports, is criticizing Jonathan Isaac. And any, and lord behold, take Drew Brees, the quarterback for the Saints, makes this comment basically defending the national anthem. And he gets assassinated, his character does, by everybody on ESPN like he's some racist pig because the national anthem means something to him, means something to people in his family that were in the service. And so that's, these athletes are being bullied into kneeling and adopting these values.
0: We're we're actually uh, this Sunday we got a special episode. We we did a, a podcast with Ben and uh, Ben Shapiro and Jonathan uh, Jonathan Isaac uh, separately. But um, you know he was saying that he doesn't think these people believe in, in the message that the players are just kind of you know they're told they have to do it and they're like okay whatever I guess, and uh, you know many of them probably outright just don't like these values. I think the reality is a lot of people are Christians. I think a lot of people like families. What worries me is why aren't there more people like you know Isaac who are going to just very calmly and passionately say, look, I, I believe in my country. Uh, no disrespect to those who protest. I'm going to do my thing. Why can't we at least have more players like that? I
3: imagine it's because the paychecks are so big. Those mm-hmm. guys, they make so much money. that I mean, how, how can you turn away from a $90 million contract, $10 million contract over three years or four years or whatever they make? What's an average contract in the NBA right now?
1: Probably five to eight million dollars. but, but
0: wait, 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 for like your average player for how many yeah, years? You know,
1: what, what about your three to five years? What about your lowest tier player? Like the lowest bottom? tier players probably making 800, 900,000. Wow. But, but let's take the big money people out of it. Just talking to Colin before the show, working in academia. And I talked about this today about just corporate America in general. If you want to move up in leadership. At any major corporation, if you don't adopt the uh, values of diversity, inclusion, and equity, if you don't hop on board with all the LGBT stuff, if, if you don't swallow it, you can't move up, or you get run out of academia, yeah. it's the same principles are apply- that you see. The pressure in the sports world is even more intense. These guys have guaranteed contracts and have, gener- have made generational wealth. What if you're just a guy that works at, name the company or yeah. Disney or anywhere that doesn't want to hop on board with these values? You get run out. You can't move up.
2: Yeah, it's it's the same same dynamic that's taking place. You know, in sports, in academia. I mean, it's it's like this spiral of silence they go into where everyone else is doing this one signal, and if you have areas that tend to be you know politically skewed in a certain direction, like academia. a a signal that might have started out with, like, you know, oh, I'm just putting my pronoun in my email signature or in my social media bio. These soon, rather than just being a, a signal of, like, oh, I'm just inclusive, it then becomes the people who don't have these little things in their bios and their email signatures, that becomes a tell because once it gets so popular... Then the person who doesn't do it is the one that stands out, and now all of a sudden people can question them. And you know, what are you doing?
3: I'm interested in your experience. You're an evolutionary biologist, like uh, with the with the I guess you would call it the the emergence or the the mainstreamism of the transgender movement. Or I don't even know if you call it a movement. But just this whole like, what's it like in the science community when well, you're well, discussing biology? And I, if you've I,
0: got a story, or what are you going to say? Well, no, I just I just want to kind of pull back a little bit what you were saying and merge these kind of these conversations. You know, we're talking about the feminization of sports. We've got someone. You're a biologist. Yeah. Well, so let's let's talk about what's happening with you know. Oh, the you autonomous. can
1: define a woman. He's a biologist. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: you know, I, I yeah, I please. think we'll get to that in a second. But let's let's kind of merge that as a biologist witnessing what's happening in sports with the NCAA and all that stuff. What's what's your take and what what do you have to say for you know what's happening? Like, what's your view on it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same same dynamic, and it just requires people to feel like they're comfortable enough by seeing other people who are speaking up and not getting canceled. To, to have them speak up. I mean when when I was in academia there was no one talking about the stuff I was talking about. I was one of the first people to be like actually there are only two sexes. It's not a spectrum, it's not a social construct. And I mean that was all the arrows hit me at once. And that's a signal to everyone to you know, who thinks the same way I do that they're not gonna say anything because they see what this how it happens when the one vocal person comes up. And so it's that chilling effect and I think that's playing out in, in sports, nope. is that chilling effect when someone gets hammered in the media for their reasonable opinion that just sends a signal to everyone else like oh this is a third rail i'm not gonna i'm not even gonna go there what
0: what is this right we we, all of a sudden we have academia terrified we have one of the most lucrative and high-paying industries major major sports and they are terrified of this ideology
1: well because they know they can get canceled they know that, tool, yeah. that that they can get run out of their jobs and have to go independent the, the way that Colin has. I, I do want to, and I don't want to speak for Tim, but I do think what Tim was asking you, quite honestly, was like, we had a man, Leah Thomas, William Thomas, swimming against women was in the Ivy Oh, you were, and yeah, yeah that's what he's like, <laughs> as a biologist, mm-hmm. what, what is your take? This is crazy oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah. us. Well, so, mean, it's completely, yeah, it's it's completely insane.
2: I mean so the, the the thing that's underpinning all of it is this like this gender ideology that is saying that what a man or a woman or a boy and a girl is has nothing to do with your biology your your reproductive organs or anything and has everything to do with just your internal sense of, of who you are or your identification with social roles and stereotypes of like masculinity or femininity. That's literally what they think is is a man or a woman, which really goes against what we've been hearing feminists say for so long that you know, a woman can behave any way they want to and still be a woman. You can be a masculine woman, you can be a feminine woman, you can be a feminine man, you can be a masculine man. But you're you're fundamentally defined as a man or woman by your, your reproductive anatomy. Somehow this ideology has just taken root. I think a lot of it's because you see these big organizations like the ACLU, like the human rights campaign, they had all this fun all the all this funding, billions of dollars going into something like getting gay marriage passed, which I personally think is a good was a good thing to get past. But once they get that big victory, what do they do next? They're set up in a situation where they need to find something else to put all this money into. They have all these donors, they have they're not just gonna turn their lights off, shutter the windows and say like, well we, we won, time to time to go home. There's no more big dragons to slay. And if you look at where the funding went in these organizations, it used to be all going into gay marriage. And then what was it, two thousand fourteen or fifteen when it became federally legal. Fourteen, I think. Yeah. Then you you see the narrative switch to trans everything, and it's this gender ideology, and it's this built in apparatus with billions of dollars behind it that is just shunting this money into 0.5 percent of the population, and the, we I, we have no response to it. We haven't built up the organizations to respond to this thing now that is isn't the next.
0: I, I, used human in the issue. Uh, I used to work in I used to work in nonprofits. I did fundraising. And this was one of the things I witnessed. A good nonprofit should put itself out of business. Yeah. If you say, hey, we, <laughs> we got a, we got an issue with uh, there's not enough panda bears.
6: Mm.
0: Well, you know, maybe in 20, 30 years, all of a sudden, panda bears are no longer endangered anymore. What does the nonprofit do? Waves goodbye to everybody and says, mission accomplished. This was the goal. We <laughs> saved the bear. panda bear. What, what, what these organizations will do is they'll say, well, it was never about the pandas. What about the kangaroo? What, what, what about this new songbird? They don't want to cease to exist. They're they're they they, 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 they like the power they've accrued.
1: They transition
2: well, and, and they Look have at people at, on
0: their they're paying people. They have paychecks. <laughs> they have a you know they they have. Lydia a, got much. They oh, have employees. I, <laughs> I, I, I exactly. I, I think Greenpeace is a good example of this. I briefly exactly. worked for Greenpeace, and the one thing I didn't understand, and uh, I started uh, looking at. Um, I think, uh, what, what's, what's the, lady, do you know the guy, the Greenpeace guy's name? Doctor, is it, mm. it's not, It's not, I think it's Patrick Moore, right? Yeah, is we're going to
4: have him, I think, yeah.
0: Maybe. Yeah. Um, I know there's also a Paul Watson who left, and he's the, the Sea Shepherds guy. But um, I believe Patrick Moore's the name. Can you guys check? I'm yeah, looking I'm looking okay Because now. he's pro-nuclear power. Oh, yeah. And so he's been very vocal on similar issues as us. Yeah, Patrick Moore. Patrick Moore. So Greenpeace, it starts because they're opposing nuclear testing. I respect that. I don't like the nuclear bombs being tested and the devastating effects. It blanketed this planet with radioactive particles that interferes with uh, scientific instruments. So there's, yeah, it's not good that everybody on the planet was blowing things up to test things. And so they oppose it. And they would do things like send out boats into the area so they couldn't conduct tests. And I'm like, I dig it. Now they're saying nuclear energy is bad. Why? In my personal opinion, because nuclear is a scary word. It allows them to keep the, the company going and make money. And there's reasons why people like Patrick Moore leave because they're like, you're off mission. This is not what we're supposed to be doing. These nonprofits, I agree. I think it's a really important point that often doesn't get brought up. They, they, uh, I remember I was working for a nonprofit that did fundraising. And one of, the, one of the organizations they were fundraising on behalf of was the Human Rights Campaign, the HRC. Apparently, and I could be getting this wrong. I was not high up or anything, but uh, there was a conversation where there are a few organizations that were rejecting some bill. Because it granted certain rights to LGB people, but not T people. And so the human rights campaign was like, we're going to go for this because it's a win. These other organizations were like, no, you know, you shouldn't. So there was a point where they were willing to outright be like, we will advocate for laws that do not protect this group of people. I wonder now if it's just part of the, the process that once you get certain laws passed, now you can move on to your next mission and make sure the money keeps flowing. You need more scare tactics. I think I, I think you you hit the nail on the head with a large portion of what we're seeing. Activism can't stop. There's money to be made. This
2: is why we're focusing on microaggressions now. We've mm-hmm. ran out of macro ones. Yep. We skipped the denti, <laughs> desi aggressions, and we're going to be moving on to yeah. pico aggressions next. I think we mm-hmm. run out of
1: we we have a very short supply of racism, and so now racism is. Oh, you didn't call me by my proper name. I think yeah. we just had a baseball player, uh a baseball first base coach, I think just yesterday for the San Francisco Giants. He got called an MF. I'm, I can say motherfucker probably on this show. Uh, <laughs> sure, why not? He got called. A, we do try to be family friendly, but oh, we're not going to. We're not going right. to about well, words. Yeah. He, he got called an MF, <laughs> and he said that when he when the guy said it, it reeked of racism. What I didn't know, <laughs> literally, what? And, and so because there's such a short supply of racism, we've had to expand what is racism, and so now, if in the heat of a sports battle, if you call someone an MF. And they happen to be black and you happen to be white. That reeks of racism. I I, want to... If I can, and I think I can do this on this show... Not because I think you guys are going to agree with me... But I just want to say it because... Colin said something interesting. And Tim, you push me back in line... If I'm taking the conversation somewhere... You don't want it to go. But Tim said... Or Colin said that... uh, You agreed with same-sex marriage and thought it was a good thing. I have to sit here and say... I disagree with that, and and not because I have a problem with the LGBT crowd, the gay crowd, or whatever. I think we've moved in the society where we think everything is for everybody. And I don't think everything is for everybody. Tim's jeans they're not for me, so I should not try to squeeze into them. And I don't think... There was a long period in my life where... I was very irresponsible in my dating and sexual life, and I was never in the right mindset to be married. Marriage wasn't for me. I had no control over, and so I think we've moved to where we just we want to make everything for everybody. And so, I I I think my sexual promiscuity, no different than same sex attraction, it makes me not an ideal candidate for marriage. I I. I agree with the majority of the sentiment that not
0: everything is for everybody. And absolutely, it seems like, you know, it's like the Sarcasta ball in South Park where they make all the kids wear the goofy things and the football becomes a balloon. When you try to make everything equal, then, you know, what do you do? You got to cut off the tall grass. However, when I I look at uh, the issue of gay marriage, I agree with Colin. I think it was, this is an interesting conversation. I think it's good. Um, I think it's good in the sense that LGBTQIA plus people should not be discriminated against Based on those characteristics, there's questions in what that means when it manifests. Like who gets right, who gets access to specific spaces, like women's only spaces. Does it mean female or otherwise? I think that's part of the conversation we have. But I mean, like you can't throw someone out of your business for specific reasons. You know, like we we want to be public accommodations should be equal to all, and we should we should have. This is my view. It's it's the more liberal view, I suppose. But I, I think that if you're a part of society, you're paying taxes, and we're all funding this machine. Then you should be able to accommodate someone and not arbitrarily just be like, "I don't like the way you look, so get out." But within certain uh, within reason, you can still do that anyway. You can give someone no reason and say, "Oh, you said a naughty word, and so I, w- I have the right to refuse service to anybody." It becomes increasingly impossible to actually maintain control of people's views and opinions. Good. But anyway, uh, just to the point of uh, gay marriage, the the question I had when uh, Prop Eight was happening. I think it was in California, yeah. was isn't marriage specifically an Abrahamic institution, which is rooted in going to the church and saying vows before God? If that's the case, then I don't believe it is appropriate for the state to mandate what the church does. However, if the state recognizes marriage as some legal contract with legal ramifications, those must be granted to 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 anybody. Now, there, there are certainly questions about you know, what the writers brought up, polygamy and things like that. And I'm like, well, there was polygamy a long time ago. It's not here now. We're just talking about cultural shifts and cultural changes. But if there are two people who love each other and this is the current standard we're we're, we're in, I think, you know, LGBTQIA plus, they should be able to get married and and, and live together and they should have all of the tax rights and legal rights. I I don't want to hear another story about, you know, two men who love each other and one guy gets sick and his 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 husband isn't allowed to go in and see him as he's dying. That That's a horrifying story because it, it, it's a, a man and his brother, you know, his brother gets cancer. He can go in and see him. These two guys spend their whole lives together. They love each other. Look, I, I don't think that's any of my business. One, one, one of the things that arises that's changing everything is going after kids. Right. I'm not saying, you know, I, I think if there's a, a teacher in a school who's gay and a kid walks up and sees a picture and says, who's that? The teacher could say, "That's my husband," and the kid can say, "But you're, but you're a boy. How do you have a husband?" The teacher should then say, "Well, maybe you'll learn more about this when you're older. Ask your parents. It's really that simple." When they start saying they want mandatory education on very specific things, where some of these books have been particularly graphic, that's when I'm like, "Yo." We are not talking about civil rights for an individual. We are not talking about me saying, I want to make sure that the people I know and care about are able to be there for their loved ones. We're talking about going to kids and explaining in detail, five to nine year olds, serious adult things that it should not be up to them. It should be up to the parents. And sometimes there might be parents who are like, my six year old is ready. Okay, well, I personally disagree. I think six is a bit too young. You should maybe wait till they're getting closer to puberty, but I'm not the parent. So there are still limitations to where we as a society have to decide what is abuse and what isn't.
3: You know, talking about marriage a little bit, I think you make a really good point. You've got to define what it is and what it means. I think that um, in the church, it's a union of between, under God, essentially. And I'm not 100% familiar, but it's really about like a, like a, like a, almost like a magical union with your soul. But then when you talk about marriage in the state, it's just a business contract. And the way I look at it in, in this current state is it's, I'm treating it like a business contract. I want to give my wife money, my girlfriend, and uh, I don't want to get taxed on it. So I'm going to marry her so I can give her a bunch of money. Uh, and, and stop. My love for her is irrelevant. It's a, it's a, it's just a business deal. Um, but I'm interested in how you guys, and I hope that, I think that that's maybe the conversation people in society should have when discussing who should be able to do what when it pertains to marriage and what it actually means. And then, and people sometimes will say like, well, civil union then. You get all the, all the, all the digital rights without calling it marriage. But then they're like, no, I want to label it the same. I want to be treated the same. Then you start getting into yeah. identity politics. Yeah. Well, that's,
2: I think what Jason was saying earlier and what you were getting at was the sort of slippery slope you get into where like you have a movement like the LGBTQ plus IA2, whatever. And the reason that number, that those letters keep expanding is because they've defined themselves by we're the most inclusive group ever. We're going to just accept anyone who's atypical, any any axis you can imagine. And that leads to them not being able to just really push out the fringes of the people that really shouldn't be part of their groups you know like there are some organizations that will want to add the p which is the pedophile to like these types of groups the p is silent and and they can't police their borders because they they've just we're so inclusive it's an orientation and by that like they need to be able to police their borders to some degree because some people are just had people some people have, some, in certain ideologies as well maybe, maybe he could
0: mean police have you <laughs> guys <laughs> police. for sure have you guys talked about the jeweler with the anti-woke ad i don't know because i wasn't here for a little no, bit we no. talk about that. let's no, pull this story we, we got the story from timcast.com jeweler launches anti-woke ad asking what is a woman what is a woman this is a this is a, a, a what's fascinating i don't think this story is inherently newsworthy But it is interesting that people are starting to push back and just begin to assert that women exist or that women are adult human females. The reason I find this story interesting enough to elaborate on is that it's a jeweler doing it. And why is a jeweler making an anti-woke ad? Well, jewelry, there's a very traditional gender uh, norm in the purchase and delivery, gifting of jewelry. It is very often, typically... A male will buy shiny rocks to present to a female as a, a sign a, 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 in an effort to woo said female.
3: And then he's like, "Hold this for me because I don't want to carry it around."
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do think it's fascinating when you break it down to its root. It's like, it, you know, we I'm going to reference Chicken City when you watch <laughs> when you watch the rooster do the dance around the, the hens. He like pulls out one wing and then shuffles around him. Yeah, he's trying to tell the girl, like, "Look at me, I'm hot stuff." Males. In our society, buy shiny rocks and present those shiny rocks to women. Like, look at me, look what I got. You know, I can afford this for you, and it's courtship. If you get rid of gender roles, you're going to eliminate to a great degree jewelry. People are gonna, people are doing tattoo rings instead. They're moving away from this. So, the, I guess to break it down, what we're going to see is industry dependent upon gender roles are going to start becoming resistant and pushing back because they want to exist. Much like you mentioned in a previous segment, nonprofits have to keep moving forward with new groups to fight for. Industries that rely, like let's let's talk about, you know, honeymoon escapes, where they're, they have rooms designed for a male and a female specifically. I mean, they're going to be like, what do we do in this new environment? Well, I think eventually you're going to see companies just come out and be like, no, 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 we oppose this because they don't want to cease to function.
3: I I will admit, I think everyone loves gems. I don't know. No, maybe it's just me. But I I think maybe it comes from that uh, men hunted, and if they had a ring on their finger, and they got it caught on a branch, it would rip their finger off. So they wanted as little uh, encumbrance as possible. So they would store the gems with the wife. I don't know if that's really the history of why the woman had them and the man didn't. But then you look at, like, ancient kings and pharaohs, and they were all adorned with gems and jewels and things like that. So they may have a market with both. I mean, the age of hunting is essentially hunting for necessity has has dipped not that it's over but we seem to be in a wall
1: they're going anti-woke that's that one particular driller i tend to agree with ian because what's going to happen these businesses are going to adjust to the new normal and so like this is particularly acute in the black community our culture is so matriarchal women are at the head of the black community I, i i somewhat reluctantly have to admit that and so what jewelers are going to start doing is they're going to create the custom of women buying gold chains for their men they're just going to adjust their business model again it's no different for me i'm 54 i'm old my dad always drove a cadillac i now watch sports events and the cadillac commercials now all feature black women mostly they used to market it To black men That was Cadillac That was the joke That was the stereotype Black men drove Cadillacs Cadillac has adjusted Black women now drive. Is it it
0: working? Is the marketing working?
1: I don't know I just know what I see and And I'm just When you watch car commercials And there are black people in it they're catering towards the black woman primarily. One,
0: one thing a lot of people uh, notice is that commercials will have mixed race families very often. Have you noticed yeah. this? Oh yeah. Well, of course there are, um, you know, more. What's the right word? Same
1: uh, race marriages, or?
0: Well, no, no, no. I mean, oh. I mean, um, yes, but I mean, the people who complain about it tend to be more um, identitarian. So they're like, why are why are so many commercials now pushing this? And I'm like, well, slow down there, buddy. They're not pushing it. They're trying to make money off everybody. And my opinion is that they'll end up making money off nobody, right? So, so the point of the commercial is, they're tr- you, you mentioned, you know, black women with Cadillacs. I, I think it's fine if you want to market to whoever you want to market to, right? I was watching TV and a, and a, a, a dating comm- a, a dating app commercial came on, featuring interracial gay couples, and I said, you know, look, I have no issue with interracial gay couples. Like, by all means, have have your life, live your life. I'm just curious as to how much money they spent and how much money they think they'll make off of a market that is probably small. I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. They can do what they want. But it's interesting that the left position would be like, it's good they're doing this ad because of diversity, but are they advertising to a group of people that don't actually want their product or there just aren't that many, there's not that many people to buy the product when you're trying to relate to them. So in the instance of marketing Cadillacs to black women, I'm wondering if a culture exists that has black women saying they want this vehicle so when they see a commercial they feel represented by it or would they just be like i don't want that car well i wonder if they're seeing their representation as you know you know an
2: interracial gay couple that might not be who they're actually targeting that might be who they're portraying in the commercial but they might just be targeting the people who would just care about that sort of identitarian
0: thing generally i mean, well, wh- I, I i understand however and maybe it's just my assumption I would imagine that, you know, a young white woman might be like, oh, that's so nice. I'm going to use Bumble because, I mean, look, you're, you're, you're saying here's a product for you. And the you is someone that is not part of that demographic. So if the commercial said, you know, our app is for everyone, male, female, LGBTQ, it didn't say that. It just had find love and it showed, you know, an interracial gay couple. And so I wonder if these companies will wokeify their marketing to the point where, they Regular people will not feel represented by it. So in, in the point of the, the interracial couples in commercials, me personally, well, I don't care because I, I come from a family like that. So I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever. But if you're selling Kellogg's, they used to have commercials where it'd be a black family and they're, they're giving the cereal to their children or it'd be a white family. Now it's mixed, and I wonder if white families or black families see themselves in those families or just feel like that's not me.
3: I would think psychologically, if you have a successful solvent company in your marketing, you would allocate 10% of your marketing funds to off-market people, people that aren't part of your demographic. You'd probably do experimental campaigns here and there, but only if you're already successful. I can't imagine a company that is just starting up would try to market to people that they didn't think they were going to try and sell to. I had a question with you about gems
2: really quick, Colin. Uh, yeah, yeah.
3: Biolo- biologically, is there any evidence that men or women are more drawn to shiny objects?
2: You know, I, I don't know specifically in humans, but there's there are a lot of uh, species, a lot of you know insects as well that do these like gift giving. They call them nuptial gifts. And it's kind of funny because sometimes they're shiny. Sometimes there's like a built-in bit of nutrition to it. But you also see like this cheating behavior where some some male fly will try to give this gift that looks like it's containing all this nutrition but it's actually hollow. It's sort of like the cubic zirconia version of like an animal trying to give, you know, to, to dupe this uh, this female into like mating with them by giving them a, is, a hollow <laughs> hollow gift.
3: It's usually men giving the gift to the woman. It's almost and, exclusively and the males and giving And it's usually it, because yeah. they're seeking a mate to have, to yeah, have, yeah. have a child with. Yeah, okay. they, they, they woo them over. And so and I imagine they, the gem yeah. industry is probably similar to that then. Yeah.
2: I, I want
1: to add a point to Tim's deal or or the conversation in terms of America, what these companies think they're doing and perhaps are doing, it's just like you talked about with the democratic party and their immigration policy. They're playing a long game. And so the, the primary uh, values, freedom and individualism used to define America. That's what everybody wanted. I want freedom and I want to be individual, do what I want to do. They're trying to make, Diversity and inclusion—the primary thing—and so they're appealing to people that believe in inclusion and who define their identity around how inclusive am I? Oh, I'm I'm inclusive of trans folk, trans people. I'm inclusive of everything, and so that's what they're marketing. It's almost like marketing patriotism, and and like the NFL and sports have sold themselves this is the most patriotic thing you can do come to our game stand for the national anthem blah 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 their inclusion now is like patriotism and so these commercials are trying to hit the theme of inclusion because they think they've socially engineered americans to believe there's nothing more american than being inclusive and tolerant and worshiping i i, I wonder if there's a big
0: ask element i like inclusivity i like diversity I I don't like equity. I think equity is a lie and a manipulation. But uh, inclusivity, it's like, you know, if I'm playing a game of dodgeball and I see a kid who's out, you know, not hanging out with anybody, I'm the kind of person who's like, hey, dude, come over and hang out with us. Or I'm at a skate park and I see a kid who's by himself and will be like, yo, you want to come over and play a game of skate? Like, we're all chilling and what's your name? Try and include people. And I I like building community. I like diversity in the truest sense. I like diversity of worldview and opinion. And the original concept of diversity was that someone who comes from a different community, will have a different perspective than you, not always, but sometimes. And so you can learn a lot from people that uh, you don't know. Don't don't assume that other people can't teach you something.
3: The problem with inclusivity is too much of it is a bad thing. In that if you have a, I I was kind of an outsider growing up, and I thought you know if I get popular, I'm never gonna let someone be an outsider. I'm gonna bring everyone in, and I tried that, and it became chaos. And you know, it also as a chef, I'm an amateur cook, or chef or whatever. But if you add every ingredient. It's a mess. You have to stop. You have to add specific ingredients. You use discretion when you're being inclusive. You have to. You have, and that is a hard, a hard thing for people to accept because it does mean that people get left out, mm-hmm. and that's that's a sad thing. But it may be stronger in the long run. The,
0: the the issue now is that they've these three words: diversity, inclusivity, equity have all just been perverted. Well, for one, equity is garbage. You know, equality I like. Equity is some kind of you know um, equality of outcome instead of opportunity. But inclusivity was supposed to be about compassion. Now it's about homogenization. And diversity was supposed to be about different worldviews. And now it's just about homogenization. So you're not getting any of these things in, in, in this woke religion. And
3: too much inclusivity, like you were saying earlier, is you get the fringes that come in and then end up disrupting the very group you're trying to build.
0: Yeah, and, and if you look
2: at what people mean when they say, like, we're creating an inclusive environment, just to turn this on its head, it, it basically means the opposite in many contexts. Like, when I was first... You know, when I was still in academia and I wrote a paper uh, for the Wall Street Journal called "The Dangerous Denial of Sex," and it was about why sex is real and why it matters, I was told that I was not making the environment at Penn State inclusive, and that therefore means I needed to go because I was making I wasn't making an inclusive environment, so I needed to be excluded in order to make an environment inclusive. so it can be
0: it can mean just the opposite well, I want to do a semi hard segue to this story from Fox News. Brooklyn subway shooting. Person of interest Frank James posted racist rants to YouTube for years. I do believe he got arrested. And what I've heard, and I think, you know, I'll throw to Jason to correct me if I'm wrong, is that this guy was posting, like, black nationalist stuff.
1: Yes. He's been radicalized by corporate media. We've been sending black people the message through corporate media that you're a victim, you're oppressed, white people are the devil, uh And this guy bought what the media was selling. He's from Milwaukee or Waukesha. Same area as the Daryl Brooks guy who was radicalized. Uh This it's no one should be surprised that we're creating these types of monsters. Uh, because the media is basically telling you're crazy if you don't think like this guy. I
0: got I got a story for you, Jason. Some people watch the show and have seen it, may have heard me, but um, for, I, I assume most people haven't heard the story. I, I I know. Sometimes I tell stories, you know, several times, but there's different guests, so I apologize for it. But I knew a guy once, and uh, I'll try and simplify the story for the sake of their privacy. There was a black dude, and there was a white dude. And the black dude mentioned he was going to, you know, go, go and run to the store real quick. And the white dude said, Hey, when you're out, can you mind you know, when, when you're by the store, can you grab me a cheeseburger from the you know the McDonald's? And the guy said, Excuse me? And he was like, Would you mind grabbing me a, a cheeseburger when you're over there by the McDonald's? And they started yelling at him, like, What do you think who do you think I am? Later the you know, I asked the guy, like, Whoa, I saw you yelling, like what happened? And he's like, The dude, he thinks I'm his boy, like I'm gonna go and get him food and then I was like, I I if you were going to the store I figured he'd just ask you to pick him up a burger. And so that was, to me, I was kind of like, yo, I was like, I think you might be looking too much into this. And he said, you don't understand, man. You don't understand what they think about people like me. And then I was like, when I was growing up, it didn't matter what your race were. We'd be like, oh, hey, you're out. Hey, give me a hot dog and fries. Would you do it? We'd be like, sure. But I think what happens is you have people constantly saying, you know, it's like Ibram X. Kendi said, it's not a question of did racism happen? It's how did racism manifest? You'll have people who who think it's everywhere and look for it. And I'm like. Maybe maybe he just wanted you to be his friend and you know, do him a favor. Maybe he wasn't being racist. But if people internalize that and they they constantly look for it, they might get offended where they
1: shouldn't. This goes all the way back to the feminization of America. Everything's about feelings. Women are driven by feelings more so than men. We've turned this entire society about I feel like a woman, even though I have a penis. I feel like something was racist, even though that coach called a white guy mf and that's his language of choice. Even though that same guy that asked to get a cheeseburger asked his white friend to get him a cheeseburger the week before. But if I feel like it was racist, it is. I, and we all I, seem to accept that standard. No, nah, I don't Gro- personally, <laughs> <laughs> Gro-
0: Grow I Growing up... Uh, you know, I had friends who would use racial slurs for all of us. And I, he I, he wasn't racist. He was just, it was just edgy, young punk humor. We watched Family Guy in South Park. So he'd go around and we'd all laugh at it. He would, he would, you know, call us names. I'm like, I don't care. Like, cause he's my friend and I know he's, he's just trying to, you know, take, take jabs at me and it's funny. And he would call himself names too. But today's day and age, it's like, you can't belittle these ideas. That, 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 when I look back on what it was like being a kid, having a friend who would call people names, it felt like he was taking the power away from it. He would say something that was ultimately meaningless to all of us and was meant in jest and kind of playfully, so we never got mad about it. Nowadays, they've empowered it so much that even asking someone to grab you a burger is like the epitome of racism, that it's everywhere, always, and it's not the right it's the the woke who claim they're they're anti-racist who are funneling as much oxygen into those fires of racism as possible
3: yeah i wonder is it biological like is it in the diet in the plastics in the water the microplastics <laughs> and the it's a big the, leap all these chemicals like that are making people so tense and edgy that they can't like not get angry when they hear these things
2: i, th- I think a lot of it's just sort of ideology going around it's it's making people you know mentally ill in a way that they're social just, media man yeah it's a lot of it's social media a lot of it's clicks um a lot of people are staying at home they just don't have their friend circle i mean this is the stuff like jonathan Haidt, greg lukianoff wrote about in coddling the american mind um yeah we've seen all all-time highs of of sort of mental health issues uh depression um sexlessness among young kids not young kids well college-aged people yeah. um i'd hope sexlessness in young kids but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's there's this skyrocketing rates of mental health issues, and this is, I think we're seeing sort of a manifestation of a lot of that. Uh, we have this focus on these these microaggressions. So when I was in, in graduate school, I remember hearing from this, uh, this other grad student, it was a black woman, and she was talking about how she had this insane interaction that was very racist. She played Ultimate Frisbee. And we were like, well, what was this incident? And she had just started playing Ultimate Frisbee in this new league, But she was very athletic, and so she did really well on the first time that she played Ultimate Frisbee. And so some friends after the game came up to her. They had never met her before, and they said, Man, you're so good at Ultimate Frisbee. Have you ever played before? And she was like, No. And then someone else said, Well, that's just good genes. And she took that as being an instance of you know, this microaggression because, Oh, I'm black. I have these good genes. And I heard this story. I remember thinking, No, the first instinct was... Have you ever played before? Have you practiced? Is that why you're so good? And she said no. And then so, well, what's the other alternative? You're just have a predisposition. You're athletic. You're a natural. You're a natural. Nature and, versus and nurture. And then so she she dismissed the nurture part, the practice, because she had never practiced before. And then because the the next available option was you're a natural athlete, that was racism. And I just remember thinking like this is completely insane. Black
1: people. Frank James all we have been conditioned to believe the highest level of our existence is being a victim and so we look that, that's how you prove you're black I'm a victim mm-hmm. and so for that woman to prove her blackness she's on a college campus I would imagine is that she what she was you, a, a grad student grad student on a college campus she's lived a very privileged life there's probably black people that tease her she talks too good of English she's too smart blah 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 and so her way of expressing her black, t- boy, you wouldn't believe the racist shit I went through. Oh, someone at Ultimate Frisbee said I was a natural. <laughs> Boom. That's how she proved she's black. You know,
0: you want to know what's crazy? I experienced racism in my life. In fact, we had a guest on the show. I don't want to bring up his name. Let him keep his, keep his peace for the time being. And when I said, I understand your, your, your worries about racism, you know, my family dealt with some of this stuff. He said, no, you didn't. You're lying. You're a white boy. And I'm like, okay, so like if I agree with you now, I'm wrong. I don't don't think I think a lot of it is just power. It is this fascistic ethos of there is no truth, but power. This guy's clearly not on my side. He doesn't like what I have to say. So when I reach out and say, I understand that because I've experienced similar. It's denial and rejection. No, you are wrong. It couldn't have happened to you. And I'm like, that's just the weirdest thing to me. You try to relate to someone and say, I can understand your argument. And they just. They basically spit in your face. Yeah, if I was like slap your mouth. I
3: really like your skin color, man. You have really nice skin color. Like, I don't hear that compliment going around a lot. But you can compliment someone's bone structure. You got really nice mm-hmm. cheekbones. I was told
0: this today, so I had to get makeup for the Daily Wire. Oh boy, they do this thing where they're like, uh, they're very polite about it. They go, uh, "Would you want to do any touching up, any you know makeup? Because I got like a blemish here and there." And I was like, nah, "I'm good. I think it's fine." Like, You sure? Just a little bit. I mean, we can do. It. It's no big deal. And I was like, "If you guys think it's it's it's, I need it." They're like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. I, I, we might as well, right? You know, they're trying to be polite about it. <laughs> but Every camera uh, needs a nail. It's but you know, what, you know what the mar- makeup artists always say? Maybe it's just true for me. They say, you have great skin. Mm. No, I imagine they say it to everybody because they do. they're, they're doing makeup and they got to yeah. say that to you. Okay. And did I go, excuse me, what does that mean? Are you talking <laughs> about the color? No. I'm just like, hey, okay, you know, whatever.
1: You. Let me ask y'all a difficult question. This is, I think, because it would be difficult to be this transparent, but I'm, this is the Tim Pool show. You guys are really transparent. (laughs) As, and Tim, I know you're not white per se, but do you have trepidation in dealing with black people you don't know because you, you, anything you say can and will be potentially used against you? Does, Does that thought cross your mind? You know coming in and talking to me, it's like you watch my show, you know my reputation. Oh, I can be myself. It's Whitlock. But when you're dealing with perhaps someone black that you don't know, do you sit there and think like, oh my god, let me be very careful. No, well, I- not
3: after I see their eyes. You, the, we are the brain eyeball spinal cord creature, holding these, moving these these saltwater bodies around. You just look in the eyes, man. It's not that we're all the same. I used to say that a lot, but it's like I, I don't even, like the all the color and the shape fades away when you're communicating with someone, and and they everybody appreciates it. That's been my ethos since since I was like 14, at least since I was two. You know, but really when I was 26.
0: You know what it is for me? It's politics, not race. Yeah. When when you know, there's that study. I think I was at Yale. We talk about quite a bit where conservatives speak to black people normally, but liberals like dumb down their language yep. which is the it's insane. <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing that. And so uh you know for me I'm like I I I really just kind of talk to everybody the way I talk to everybody. I might have uh I I I think it's fair to say there are certain assumptions we might make about people based on race based on the politics of the env- uh, of our environment, but I would say 99.9% is just like I'm going to talk to this person the same way I talk to everybody else because I don't want to make assumptions about them. Yeah, first of all, we're this. not
3: different races. We're the same species, the Homo sapien. And I like talking to people with different ethnic, I guess you ethnic backgrounds or like different genetic backgrounds because our ancestors lived in different environments. Like the Asian ancestry, maybe because the winds were so biting in the Mongolian plains, they squinted. And over generations, the babies were just born. So they didn't have to squint, you know, or people with darker skin than mine. Uh, had a lot of sunlight. People with light skin, like my ancestors, lived at night. Everybody has darker skin. My dad, really? one time, I was at the beach, <laughs> and my my dad was like, "We lost Ian. Where's Ian?" They looked down the beach. They saw a glowing oh, white thing. And they're like, there he is. And he so, was right.
0: Here, here, here's what I think is is important to understand, especially like when it comes to race. Uh, there's there's different uh, second like physical characteristics. Uh, say hair, for instance. There's different hair products for for white and black people, or not even necessarily white and black, but you know there literally are different uh, hair treatments and styles. So there's there's an assumption someone might make, but it shouldn't change. These things don't change the way you treat a human being's their their soul, their 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 spirit. I, I wonder about this because you know when we talk with people like Seamus uh, of Freedom Tunes, for instance, and you know he very much believes in the soul and the body as being one. I'm like, is it is it something that people who don't believe in a soul will treat you like nothing but the body and ignore your inner? You know what I mean? You know what I don't like? like? They'll look at you and think your race is you. Instead of wondering about who you are as a person because you have a soul. I don't like mm-hmm. when
3: I talk to people about people with dark skin, if I'm talking about the difference of light skin and dark skin, because it's relative to my skin color. And that's really rude of me to act like that. Like, I should be talking about people with light skin and and just see it from other perspectives than me as, like, the zero
0: point, as the starting point. Well, let, let me uh, – I don't know if you wanted to answer that because I didn't want to –
2: no, I mean, I th- I'd like to think I give people, you know, the first volley in a conversation, and is going to be the same for just about everybody that I interact with. And you know, over iterations, that's when I'll I'll build a sort of a model. But, of but who there's they like are. a
0: hold on, I want to I want to throw the question back at you, Jason. Do you think you, or do you think black people have a certain way of talking with white people in like a similar fashion? You asked us
1: in this culture today. No, I don't think there's any trepidation, any fear. Uh, Because I think The culture has kind of said There are no standards for Black behavior
0: Have you you seen the Ami Horowitz Video on um, voter ID I
1: think I have
0: I I didn't mean to interrupt you so if you want to finish that thought real quick No go ahead So uh, you know they say voter ID is racist Yeah, Classic video I love bringing it up So he goes to Berkeley and he asks these young white progressives Is voter ID racist and what do they say of course He says why He gets a few answers. Black people can't afford IDs. Black people don't know where the DMV is and black people don't have the internet. So he goes to the Bronx. He goes to Harlem and he asks this woman, he's like, ma'am, this might be, he's a black woman, he's like, this might seem strange but do you have an ID? And she goes, what? I know it might seem strange. And she goes, of course I have an ID. He's like, okay. He asks a a young black man. He's like, I know, I know it might, might seem strange. Do you know anybody who doesn't have the Internet? And he's like, what do you mean? 12-year-old kids know how to get the Internet. we, we got Internet on our phone. But my favorite interaction is when he walks up to this like, older black dude and he goes, do you know where the DMV is? He goes, yeah, it's right over on 25th. He turn, like, he's giving him directions. And I'm just like, for, for the media to push this narrative about black people, it's like, have you ever talked to a black person? The assumption that they're a different and foreign group of people to me is is mind-boggling. But but it plays right into that Yale study I was just talking about.
3: I don't like black and white. I don't like the words because, first of all, my skin's not white. It's like pinkish. Your skin's not black. It's like brown, red, you know? And like, historically, white magic is like healing magic and black magic is like dark arts, like blood magic. So like, it's the stigmas attached to calling people black and white when we're not.
0: Hold, Hold on. I gotta gotta push back because that is a woke argument where they're Mm. trying to claim that like Harry Potter and Magic the Gathering are racist white and black is a reference to night and day exactly it's not racist
3: in the daytime you can see the predators coming and at night you can't so there's this inherent like scariness to the dark night you know so like I don't like the people who use black and white. T- I don't like black. I think mean, obviously they're coming from. Then here.
1: stop playing Magic the Gathering because
3: black Never. and white magic. <laughs> but I, I'm I a just, white mage through and through. But that's just gonna like to heal people.
1: I, I get where you're coming from because it's like the word blackballed. Like black has the negative connotation, And which is arguing is like Jason's not even black. Why are we calling him black? I'm not really white. Why? I, I, I get that, but but because we've established these cultural customs that we all somewhat adhere to. Um, uh, you know, we gotta live in this reality. Do we?
3: I wanna shatter that.
1: I, I agree. I, I, I think you're 100% right. We, that should be the goal. I think we should be literally trying to live up to Dr. King's dream, judge people by the content of the character. The left seems to be taking us the total opposite direction. And we now all have, again, what you're seeing with black people is that they interpret the world through this lens of race, every interaction. And it's like, hey man, some people just ha- are having a bad day. It had nothing to do with your skin color. Their wife may have made them sleep on the couch last night. And so he's grumpy and gave you a cold answer. It, it, it. And so, but we scrap anything that bad. If, if, if he punched me in the arm right now, I could, oh, he only did that. Cause I'm black. That may be his way of greeting everybody that he's friendly with or find you know, interesting or whatever. But we just describe race and some negative connotation to any experience we have. We, be, we gotta go to some we are way behind, so go quick.
3: Okay. Um it, back in the day when we were all like hunting with spears and stuff, if I went out there with my glowing white light skin and I'm in the middle of the night and the moon's out, you're gonna see me. But if someone with darker brown skin is gonna be more like camouflaged, maybe racism comes from that.
0: Well, there's, there's,
3: or like fear stuff comes from that. It it
0: comes from the other, the fear of the other.
3: But it's actually harder to see darker objects at night.
0: It's it's true, but the the racism is is rooted in the idea of, I know you're not from my city. I know you're not from my town. I know you're not from my tribe. And that for otherism creates fear and tribalism. But we got to go to super chat. Sorry, Jason, because we are 10 minutes behind. Uh, Tell
3: me after the show. Uh,
0: So uh, let's (laughs) go to super chats. If you guys haven't already smashed that like button. I'm wondering if there's a lot of uh, super chats from when the Daily Wire took over our broadcast, so that'll, that'll be fun, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just see what you guys got. All right. Dr. Roller Gator in the house says, "Hi, Colin, this is Gator. Gator. You've been in Nashville for like three weeks. How are you still sober? hashtag# free <laughs> Dr. rollergator.: I mean, I've been hitting up some of the bars around town doing
2: some moonshining and distilling and all kinds of stuff. so we're going I to don't, I don't know if I can say
0: I'm sober. You come to uh, Redneck Riviera. I um, heard about that. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, yeah. think we're going to be there from like two to three, but I'm not sure. It might be like two thirty to three. Not as long yeah. as I thought because everybody's very, very busy. And then we actually have to get on the road immediately. Yeah. That was
2: so, actually a big part of me coming to Nashville is because I Googled craft distilleries when I was downtown visiting
0: and like 50 popped up. And I was like, okay, I'll move here.
4: Yeah. Sounds good.
0: <laughs> All right on. All right. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's read some more super chats. All right. Jason McNeil says, Hey Tim, watch the vlog today with the troubles of the camper. Would love to be your full-time truck trailer driver. There were problems. I did That's not the see comments, any of them. The
3: comments on the vlog Are like, the first 11 minutes were hard to watch. I'm a truck driver. Hire me.
0: Well, all I know is I showed up in Nashville and the trailer was here because yep. the crew took care of business. So I'm good. I'm good. All right. Leor Engelstein says, the latest Quinnipiac poll finds Joe Biden with a 26% approval rating among Hispanics, lower than his rating among whites, almost like people like laws. Yeah, I imagine a lot of the people who escaped communism don't like the idea of socialism you know the same for sure alright free men die free says you still owe me Timcast IRL episode with Ron Paul Luke said he can set it up one of the most important figures alive to have on your show I would be honored and I would love to have Dr. uh, Ron Paul on the show uh, Where's he based out of?
6: Texas, somewhere. But Texas, somewhere. I don't know, somewhere in yeah, Texas. Yeah, he's deep there. in the heart of Texas, <laughs> yeah, I believe. deep yeah, yeah. in the heart. Yeah, that's my understanding. Oh.
0: I mean, yeah, I we should we should absolutely figure it out. And you know, he's an older guy, so we should probably uh, you know get on that. I'm a big fan of Ron Paul, and uh, there's this, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I'll just put it that way. I, I love the idea of liberty. I've I've always uh, I've never agreed with him on everything because he does have more traditional views. But the idea of I will leave you alone is very appealing to me. So I'm like. You know, Ron Paul, I think it was Ron Paul who said, you can be a socialist in America. Just buy land and make it, make your socialist little commune. Yep. Boom. I, I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, please. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that's what I always tell people. Left libertarian is like, I'm going to buy a farm. Me and my friends are going to live on it. And we're going to share our, our, our fruits and vegetables together. That's it. You want to scale it up to a big city? Good luck. I don't think I don't see that happening. All right. Medic Knight says, Tim, ask the Daily Wire crew if they're familiar with the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus, if so, they should have Dave Smith on their show to discuss debate ideas. Would love to see Dave versus Ben Shapiro. That is an, uh, an amazing idea.
4: Yeah,
6: that is. And I
0: think uh, I feel like Ben would be absolutely up for Let's it. Let's do and it. And Dave is amazing as well. So um, if I, uh, yeah, I'll definitely I'll, I'll, I'll definitely ask him about that because we're big fans of Dave and and Michael Malice as well. I would love to see Michael Malice talk with Ben Shapiro. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, be yeah. Have so they fun. never had a? Interaction before? I don't know. I maybe like maybe they to... did. Maybe they did. Huh.
1: Who is who is your ultimate guest wish list person? Who, if you get interview one person? Oh, I don't know.
0: Ron Paul. Mm, Ron Paul would be great. I I, we I don't already know. got Joe Rogan. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a little different. I, it's it's cool to have like the king of podcasting on your show, and he came in and hung out with Alex Jones. So that was a pretty epic moment. I don't know how you topped that, to be honest. Alex <laughs> Jones and Joe Rogan came on this show at
1: the same time. Mm-hmm. It's
8: crazy.
3: Who's yours, Jason?
1: Oh uh, man, that's a great question. I I should have thought. Give me. I'll, I'll answer after he reads the next one. Let me think about that.
0: All right, Nick S says. I hope you got a high speed camera so we can play back you and Ben at speed the human ear can pick up. Someone you know uh, just said, turn the speed down to fifty percent because uh, we we did a sit down with Ben Shapiro today. It'll be up on Sunday <laughs> in a in a bonus Sunday episode of, of. It'll be like I think it's like an hour and a, fifteen twenty minutes long. So uh, just you know. Half speed, and you'll hear us talking like this. That's an interesting point, mm. Ben. I sound like <laughs> Sam Harris. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to be like, well, well but that's <laughs> a really asleep. interesting point. But you don't understand what's <laughs> well, going on in these colleges and these kids and these schools. We both talk very fast. So I, I, I mentioned that to one of the crew guys, and they were like,
1: oh, yeah. I know who I want to interview. Yeah. There's two people for different reasons. Barack Obama, because I'd like to challenge him on mm. the way he handled the race issue. But probably the person I'm most fascinated with right now is Bill Maher because I think he's been completely red-pilled and is just trying to ease his way up out of HBO once he can get his podcast up and rolling. Uh, and then he's going He's already telling us what he thinks, but I think eventually he's going to tell us what he really thinks.
0: You know, Bill Maher said in 2019, was it, bring on the recession because he hated Trump mm-hmm. so much that all the pain and suffering we see... I I, I, I just... Someone tweeted about it, and I said, am, am I supposed to forgive that? Yeah. Am I supposed to? No. I mean, probably. No, no, I think he should be held to account about it. Uh, for yeah, it. but and, still forgive. And I think he should, I think, you know, I don't know if Joe mentioned this to because he was on a show recently, but, I mean, it's the first thing I'd say. I'd say, Bill, in, in, in 2019, you said bring on the recession, and so many people are suffering. People are at risk of losing their lives. People, I mean, and look in Shang how bad it is. You know, you wished this because you didn't like Trump and now things are worse. So it's like not only did you wish pain and suffering on people because you didn't like Donald Trump. Maybe you were scared that I can get. But Biden is worse. He's he's objectively worse. So you wished for pain and suffering and you got an extended state of it. That's yeah, not OK. Man. Let me add
1: one That's point. A luxury belief Le- let me earlier. add one point to that, because I wanted to say it earlier when we were talking about your conversation with the Daily Wirecast about presidential candidates. This is why I'm of the opinion that Trump not running in 2024 might be a blessing. Because when Trump's not in office, it makes the Democrats actually have to defend their positions rather than just saying, Trump. You ask them any question, they just go, Trump. And so once you take that off the table, that's why I think you're seeing Bill Maher pivot so much. Because he can't just holler Trump like he used to
0: so harry toe says no audio someone is getting fired yeah what, what happened with the audio was it uh, i don't know the technics. do you
4: so i know a little bit about it but i think the daily wire was sending us two channels that were canceling each other out when you were listening with headphones so if you oh. listen with headphones yeah because we had people who were like it's fine for me i You're, can't hear a thing at all and everybody's like okay when, refresh the page or whatever so andy unplugged one cable and he made it all go away
0: how long was the audio out for? I'm
4: not sure, it was a few minutes, minutes there minutes. at the beginning. Nine
3: minutes. It was yeah. like the first half or first less oh, than the first little bit less. A but if you go back and rewatch the show without headphones, you may be able to hear it.
4: Yeah, so now you know for sure. Like that's that was the issue. We had two different. I forget what they're called. I think they're called two different channels. I'm probably explaining this wrong. I'm not the. But you guys person. in here
0: heard everything like yeah. normal. Yeah, we did. Crazy. We heard everything. I, that, yeah. That's yeah. happened before. It's a weird thing I've seen happen before.
4: Yeah, it was funky.
0: Crazy how that happens.
4: But it did bring a lot more attention. You know. So.
0: You know, what we'll have to do. We'll have to. Uh, and, I'm, and, and people were so. Uh, Benjamin said, "Everyone go to the Daily Wire live stream because you want to oh, yeah, it." Yeah. But you know what? We'll have to do is just if we if we if we have that glitch on our recorded version for the podcast, we'll have to. Just check for it, I guess.
4: Yeah, we'll see we we'll see what's up there.
0: Well, you know, guys, someone, someone said, how long was this planned for? And I was like, the entire time we were planning on coming out here. Yeah. Well, like a couple weeks before, I think. But when you get here and you're trying to duct tape everything together to be like, how can we pull this off? Because we need their feed to come to our trailer. We'd like run cables and do all this stuff. And these things happen. It's
3: truly magical. If you guys could see behind the scenes of the, the production neat. capacity that went into it, it was
4: even with all the awesome Daily Wire tech people. It still required a lot of thinking. We practiced it three or four times beforehand, and it was quite the production. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny because
3: you see us hanging out all chill, but man, there are people running around oh, man, pointing. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> all right, let's see. What we got James. Just says, "Can we fix the audio?" Well, yes. we did. Yes, we can. How long was
3: I was I up there for? like my guess is 20 minutes yeah, wow. 15, 18 and the, the audio
0: was down for like maybe eight I, could, I was worried about you guys I was like I'd feel really bad if they keep me here really long oh, like no, it was, was fun we were listening we're it was doing? really yeah, good conversation it was a good was
1: conversation yeah it was great RV didn't miss you at all no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> RVdl says so is daily wire buying out timcast no we are uh uh timcast.com is a very large company it's a uh, uh, it's relatively large. Timcast.com has around, what do we have, like 35 employees? Oh, Timcast.
3: Yeah. Timcast.com is the
0: website. Well, yeah, but Timcast in general. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a big company. I mean, this trailer we're in is probably like a $200,000 rig.
3: I'm always telling Tim, man, hold on to your IP, bro. Take it to the top. But, you know, we've got... I think partnership's the key.
0: No no investors. We've got no influence behind anything we do. I am, a, I am but a single dude who started making YouTube videos and has continually, just every day I wake up, I put a brick down. And I think that's important. However, there may be certain deals, because we're, we're talking about TV shows, and I, I, I don't know, you never know, it, it, it really comes down to, it would be very difficult for literally anyone to be able to buy out this company at this point, to be completely honest. But um, what, we're, what, we're, what we're mostly talking about with the guys over at Daily Wire is, you know, building culture, we, we do not have the capability to do move, movies, but we certainly have a bunch of crazy ideas for movies, they want to do movies, they like crazy ideas, and so I think that's uh, where we're headed. We've got with Tales from the Inverted World and a bunch of other ideas, certainly things that might be of interest for them in terms of making content. So there might be something, you know, going on. We still have to talk about it. But um, I'm a big fan of the Daily Wire crew.
1: I, I heard you say suits. something suits. very <laughs> similar to what Jeremy believes. You, I think you said it during this podcast or maybe you said it to me before the show. If you're going to change culture, you got to be willing to create it. And that's what I like what you're doing and what the Daily Wire is doing.
0: But not just that. So when we launched Pop Culture Crisis on YouTube, for everybody go to youtube.com slash popculturecrisis. Subscribe if you're into pop culture content. So, you know, we had this conversation very much at the beginning of the show. I'm like, guys, it's not about politics. The headlines should not be like, woke this, woke that, Democrat, Republican with, you know, cultural stuff in there. It is literally a story where it's like, Disney launches new Marvel show. And the reason is too many people are just like, let's launch our new version of cultural commentary where we make fun of what they're doing. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that's great. I don't care if, you know, watch all of these cultural commentary channels. We do that. What we need is cultural participation. We need people who share our values to be talking about the same thing that regular people are talking about, not approaching them like an other and complaining to their faces about it. So what happens is when Disney announces a new movie... The guys over Pop Culture Crisis will be like, "Here's the new movie. Here's what's happening. Here's what they think." Behind that is their values. So it's the, the way I see it is, the what what the the mistake the woke are making is that they're making movies and putting the message first. What the Daily Wire is doing is making movies and putting the message secondary. So you've got good entertainment, and then it just so happens to have a little bit here and there of like our values are behind it. That's what I'm talking about with Pop Culture Crisis. People can watch about new movies, celebrities, video games. And then secondary is, well, you guys know we believe in freedom and personal responsibility, but we're not slapping you over the head with it. So we can engage with the culture. The next step is making that culture. But we're not making Hollywood movies, so this is the this, this is the slow roll we're, we're doing. We're making
3: Nashville movies now, baby.
0: I mean, yeah, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Richard says, I wouldn't be surprised if YouTube ruined the audio on purpose. Uh-huh. We're talking about people who are furious. They can't groom kids. What's cutting an audio feed? Either way, this is better than the Avengers. It was really fun <laughs> because I said... uh I said that um in the title, Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire crew takes over. I, people may have missed it, but when I walked in, I straight up just said that to everybody. I was like, yeah, I just titled it that Ben Shapiro was taking it over because he's the most famous guy in the room. And everybody laughed. And uh But then I was like, thank you all for joining on my show. Yeah, it was fun. But like, you guys heard movie. all that. You know, we wow. heard it the audience. Yes. Yeah
3: half the audience heard it or something
0: that sucks maybe
3: less maybe more than half Whoever we'll, we'll,
0: we'll get it right the next time we do it because that was a whole lot of fun we were, we were lucky enough to be here while they were doing backstage live like run like, in and pin that mic on your chest that was awesome you're you're like watching me run up and do all that stuff yeah, yeah. that's great crazy. <laughs> that's it's so really cool fun. well you know what the audio uh oh man that means because i was talking while i was going in there and that's only on our end oh that was it. good yeah yeah all right Adrian Contreras says if Crowder shows up out of nowhere I will probably have an accident <laughs> I, I think you know uh, we've got an event being planned in uh, New York now that they've lifted the mandates and stuff maybe it might be too soon but I would love to have you know an Avengers moment just get independent media people to come and just you know What do we got to do to pack the Madison Square Garden Talk about it like five
3: times on this show. It's going to sell out so fast, dude. It's 2,800 seats.
0: No, I'm talking about the 60,000 seats. Oh. um, Yeah, what do we got to do to make that happen? Two months of publicity? I mean, you know, I got to be honest. If the Daily Wire, Tim Cast, Crowder, Rubin, and maybe Rogan. You know, he's not necessarily in the same space, but if he's booked for it. Dave Chappelle,
3: if we could get... Joe I mean and now Dave. we're reaching. Yeah. I think Dave would That's sell the stadium reaching. on his own. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I think if everybody's promoting it, we could do a big event. I think there's a big like want for that
2: stuff. Remember before the pandemic they were having these conversations between like Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson. they were selling out fairly large venues. I mean I think they're that ha- that really hasn't been rebooted
0: since then too. Like I think I think there's still potential for that for sure. Kurt Crystal says top ten Timcast IRL moments. You know, when they told me they wanted to, they were like, "How can we have you jump feeds to Daily Wire?" I was like, "Man, we'll need a remote camera. It'll have to be like here, plugged in in advance. We'll need a way to switch it into our system." I was like, "That sounds tough, especially the last minute." And the crew made it happen. Yeah, a lot of hard work, great teamwork between. Well, I guess there was an audio issue, but you know. Yeah, incredible. All right, Nanad Sredic says, "What's up?" Hassan stands in the chat. Glad you decided to listen to an intelligent conversation for once. You know, I just—I'll point this out because we—we. This is also uh, the conversation that we all had with Ben Shapiro. We'll be up on Sunday, as I mentioned. Why is it that it's always the right, as they, as the left describes it, that is like our door is always open to all people, including the left, to have a conversation, but it's always the left saying no. They won't do it. Yeah, I had that recently. Scientific
2: American did a hit piece on mm. one of my articles saying that sex is real. And I just made. I'm trying to be as polite as possible. I reached out to the editor, you know, just saying like we should have a platform. We should have a conversation about this. And then now she's tweeting today about how she's just getting trolled by, by me apparently. So yeah,
0: uh, this this um, middle-aged or I guess old comedian woman gave an interview, and it's the weirdest interview because it shouldn't exist because she's this lady's not relevant. She's she's not relevant to the point where I'm not going to say her name. But she was like, whenever I speak up, the Joe Rogan come, army comes for me. The oh, Tim Pool army comes for me. And I'm like, what? The <sighs> Tim Pool army comes for you? What are you talking about, lady? I never talk about you. You know, I'm sure people know who I'm talking about. but oh, I'm okay. not going to say her name so I don't relevant. care about her. Right. But it's funny how they lie and stuff. All right. ELA says, I love how independent media supports each other. You all talk about the importance of decentralization. And it's awesome how you were all building each other up instead of trying to knock each other down. Walk in the walk. Well, because I think... One of the things that actually unifies, despite the differences in politics between The Daily Wire, us at TimCast, or Steven Crowder, is that we agree to disagree. We respect the disagreement, and we're, 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 we're arguing, and it's fun. It's fun. But the left is like, I'm not going to come on your show and talk to you. Mm-hmm. They just want to hide behind their screens and you know, engage in sophistry.
6: Mm-hmm. Well, it's,
2: it's rare that I disagree with someone 100%. So even when you were talking about you know, your, your Christian perspective, and I'm you know, a card-carrying atheist... There's still things, there's truth to what you're saying about, you know, gay marriage and things like that and, you know, slippery slope stuff. So it's, to me, it's just like finding those areas. Like where, what is the truth in what you're saying? Where can we, what can we work with? How do we overlap? I think there are the, the people common humanity, really.
1: that are searching for truth and there are people promoting an agenda. And if you're searching for truth, you'll talk to anybody because who knows? That person may have some piece of truth that you're not aware of. If you're promoting an agenda, you're know you going to stay away from certain people.
0: Scott Knowlton says, Tim, you should relocate to Nashville. Make Nashville the conservative Hollywood. Mm. I think I one of the big things conservatives have going for it is that post-liberals are basically conservatives now. Like, look at this guy, Ian. What up? Can, we, can we get Ian? Look, look at him. Look at Hi, everyone. Look. I think of myself as neutral. Can <laughs> well, I be neutral? Just like but,
3: centralized and in neutral?
0: But think about what you were saying about how you didn't like white and black you know, magic because it's like a negative reference. I mean, that's a pretty liberal statement. But, but when we have conversations, you can, you can disagree on certain ideas. But what we do agree on for the most part between the Daily Wire and us is, is a story true or false? I were think- the Covington kids being racist? No, they weren't but the left thinks they were and that's what makes them left
3: there's times for every human to be liberal and there's times for everybody to be conservative and then if you start labeling yourself I'm a big C this thing just that's identity politics don't don't
0: worry so much about that
1: be- boxes <laughs> you in boxes you in from the truth away from the truth
0: yep the, the distinction between left and right is truth and fiction the left keeps falling for every hoax the right challenges these stories and then turns out to be right most of the time So I think when people say we should move to Nashville to make a conservative Hollywood, I'm like, I mean, look, conservatives don't think we're conservative. You take a look at me walking into the Daily Wire HQ and I even mentioned, I'm like, look how I'm dressed compared to everybody else here. I think, you know, we might have come from different worlds a little bit. I'm wearing sneakers, jeans, and a t-shirt and they're, they're, they're all dressed very well. You know, I I go in there. Especially Michael Knowles. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And, and, and I, you know, they're, they're not, uh, uptight people. They just dress, you know, uh, for business. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, they're suits, right? And so my, I'm like, their suits we're street, were you know. But if we can agree on the basic facts, the conversation can exist. We can disagree on certain things, but we agree on what reality is. So if we came to Nashville, the big advantage that uh, that the right has right now, conservatives have, is there are many people like me. I know a lot of pro skateboarders who they, they message me per- periodically. They're like, love your show. We're big fans. We agree. Because we don't like what's happening with the authoritarian cancel culture. People do not want to live in fear that someone's going to try and destroy their life.
3: Let's move to Nashville. Let's get a studio oh. like an hour out of town. We
0: just put this big investment know, in Freddamistan, and Nashville's ridiculously
3: expensive. Like an hour out of town? That's kind of far. 40 minutes out of town? We're
0: nine and a half hours away.
3: i I love Nashville. We got, Dude, Nashville, the birds chirp all night in Nashville. It's true, the and it's birds, weird. What is up? The <laughs> music city. I don't know. It's
0: There's so weird. There's something in
3: the air, <laughs> man. There's electricity in this area. Everybody's yeah. singing,
0: man. All right. Yoda Thrash says, whenever Jason is on, it's total worlds collide for me. Woo. It's the old school BMXer guy who wants to talk street spots with Tim, but then football guy that wants to talk to Jason about zone coverage versus man-to-man.
3: Mm. <laughs> <laughs> is there a time and a place for zone and man, or do you pick one or the other?
1: There's a time and a place for both.
0: All right. Let's grab some more. <clears throat> Let's see, we got we got so many. We got so many. Brian Beatty says Twitter just suspended libs of TikTok. Is that true? That is true. Oh, oh wow. Yes. Yeah. That, that is that is
1: holy cow. That yeah. is big.
0: I am oh, offended. Yeah. I am offended, Twitter. Yeah. For what? Where's uh, Elon Musk? Well, he hasn't tweeted in
3: days. Yeah, well, I, there was
2: that thing that Twitter had, like, the, the new policy they put in, I think it was maybe even a year ago, where it's just like if they're posting people in, like, public spaces, and everyone always said this could be something that they might use to then just be able to remove accounts for violating sort of these types of things. This could be that coming to,
0: coming to roost. I, I, so we got some super jets. I think there was a sound cancellation thing happening. Yeah, so that's what I'm talking, it's talking about. It's happened to me before. Yeah. Or, uh, so I, I, I once did a, a Skype with somebody. And for some reason, we couldn't get the audio to work. And then I can't remember exactly what the issue was, but it was something like this. Orange Red says the sound worked with headphones. Right. My audio worked the entire time, missed nothing. Yep. I'm wondering what that was all about, that some people weren't getting it and some yes, people were.
4: It was a cancellation, so it was like... I want to say two different channels that are operating at the exact opposite frequencies, yeah. which cancels out noise if you're listening with headphones, not if you're listening with Well, he was or Orange
0: Red says they were listening with headphones. Interesting.
4: Yeah. I don't know. Something I'm like this has
0: happened to me before. It's weird.
4: Oh, hey, I wanted to say, too, that um, Libs of TikTok was suspended by Twitter over, quote, hateful conduct. So I'm really curious if Elon Musk has anything to say that about this. That is
0: so vague.
4: It is vague. So darn vague.
0: All right. Let's see. We'll, we'll just grab a couple more here. Fammy Whammy says, love your show. Please limit Ian's weed intake beforehand. <laughs> never. Believe it or not, Ian does not smoke weed. Uh, no, no. I've never seen him smoke weed. No. No. I would like you to see me smoke weed someday, <laughs> though. <laughs> Someone mentioned that Joe took down the Bill Maher episode. Is that true? That doesn't sound true. Ooh, I don't know. No. I guess we
4: can mm-hmm. check that site.
0: All right. Let's grab, uh, let's just grab one more. Here we go. Sparrow Rose says, tonight is extra special to me. Love, Jason and Colin. And then someone says we need an audio person, you know? Yeah. We have
4: so many audio people working on that.
0: I, I, I know. I think we've got an amazing rig. Everything was tested three times, and we have the entire Daily Wire production crew making this happen, and then these things happen. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? I was worried about it. I was like, something's going to go wrong in it.
3: Yeah, space travel's amazing that they can do that. They can send a space, <laughs> spacecraft to Mars and everyone lives. Well, the moon.
2: All things considered, it went well.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
0: I think you know it's weird that a lot most people, a lot of people are saying it was fine, and some people are saying it wasn't. But uh, we'll 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 get it sorted for the uh, the the podcast version. Yeah, we'll figure for, it out. And for the segments too, we'll get it fixed. But yeah. uh, everybody, if you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends. Today was awesome. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have a special members only show coming up at 11 p.m. Eastern. So that will be up at timcast.com for members only. Because as members, I want you all to think. I want you to realize something. CNN Plus reportedly only has 10,000 daily users. Ooh. That means we are bigger than them. Mm-hmm. That means when you are a member of TimCast.com, you are part of an elite group of people that is better than CNN. I know, I know, you don't need to be a member to be better than CNN. It's not hard to do, but at least you can be a card-carrying member that is better than CNN. So, uh, no, I got to say, in all seriousness, I am so uh, uh, grateful, honored that you would be member- members of TimCast.com to the point where I can tweet TimCast.com is bigger than CNN Plus. Because it's kind of just like I despise the corporate press, the manipulation so much. To know that there is something bubbling up that just believes in honesty and in to the best of our abilities, it makes me feel good. So everybody, thanks so much for all your support. Smash the like button. You can follow us at TimCastIRL. You can follow me at TimCast. Jason, do you want to shout anything out? I
1: do. I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> yes. My phone went yeah. dead. Oh man. I'm fifty four years old. I haven't peed in five hours. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> give it to me straight. It's time for me to pee, but thank you so much for having <laughs> Jeez, me. I hate uh, and please check me out at Fearless uh Fearless with Jason Whitlock at Blaze T V and everywhere podcasts are. Awesome.
0: Right on, man. Thanks for coming. We appreciate it. Colin, yeah, you wanna shout anything out?
1: Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at swipe
2: right. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. and check out my Website, realitieslaststand.com, for good commentary on sex and gender. Uh,
3: Ian Crossland here. Love you guys. Love you guys. Thank you so much for coming. That was great. Hopefully, you. do it again soon. Yeah, sooner or later. Whatever.
2: Do it again. Anytime you're in Nashville, hit me up. Yeah, baby.
4: Thank you guys all for tuning in on this super fun night and for bearing with our sound issues. I will try to fix those. I'm sure we'll have no issue with it. You guys may follow me on Twitter and minds.com at sourpatchlids as well as sourpatchlids.me.
0: We will see you all over at TimCast.com in just about an hour. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.
6: Don't
4: you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count.